afternoon and welcome to the March 8, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board meeting. The TIDA board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2491-072-0741. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. There will be a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Here. Director Richardson? Here. Director Breston? Here. Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Supervisor Dorsey, we do have a quorum. Wonderful. Well, this is the first time in three years that we've all been together in person. And, and actually, what, what a great gathering this is. Um, it's just wonderful to be here together. Um, so I am glad to begin the meeting. But I, at first, I wanted to um, say hello to our newest commissioner. Uh, who's Nabiha Azim, and we are so um, honored that um, Nabiha has joined our board. She is an urban planner, and also she has much experience in housing development. Um, she worked with Mercy Housing, um, so she knows uh, the project Starview Court, which is being developed by Mercy, um, and she was the project manager on Treasure Island, so she knows Treasure Island intimately well, um, and she um, has a great deal of housing development experience, which we need as we build out uh, Treasure Island. So welcome, Nabiha. Thank you. Okay, and so I think we can begin with the agenda. Item number two, general public comment. Any members of the public who wish to speak on this item in person, please line up now. Those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. The access code 2491-072-0741. Okay, so we'll open it up to general public comment for those items that are not on the agenda that you would like to bring to our attention. And um, let me just say that if it's not on the agenda, we cannot have a uh, conversation about it, but we will note what your opinions are. So go ahead. Understood. Please please announce yourself. Yeah. Understood. Uh, Jim Morawski, member of the Treasure Island Organizing Committee and business owner on Treasure Island for 15 years. Uh, just quickly want to bring up something that everybody in the community knows about. Since December, we've had uh, quite a few. Um, we've had quite a few uh, power outages, voltage sags, and interruptions. Specifically, by the way, I do have a, a utility monitor on the building where I'm located, and I'm going to provide this information to the whole uh, board of supervisors and you, you yourselves. Uh, specifically, just to summarize. There's outages, which have been long-term. They go for hours or whatever. There's an interruption. Interruptions are, are multi-seconds or a minute. 
interruptions where they go down to zero. And there's also voltage sags. There's three different types. Voltage sags and interruptions have a deterious effect on uh, equipment, uh, anything with motors and what happens when the voltage goes down, amperage goes up, overheats, it destroys a lot of refrigeration equipment and that. It's actually fried a few pieces of equipment in my, in my building, okay? So in December, there were three outages. Uh, December 10th, 2.8 hours. December 27th, 3.6 hours. And 12.28, two hours. They were in, included in, in December, six interruptions. That means went down to zero, six of them. And there were 12 or 10 voltage sags. In January, there were one interruption and there was 12 voltage sags. And then in uh, February, there were two outages of two hours or 1.5 hours and one interruption and 10 voltage sags. What I would like you to do, um, I request the next um, town hall on Treasure Island, I'd like to have uh, Dorsey and the PUC come in and explain what's going on and what's causing all these things, what you, the city, and the PUC are doing to remediate those issues. And three, I'd like to understand why in my experience, when these outages happen, the area that was not affected was the new construction area, but the old part was. So we'd like to Thank understand you for what your that comments. is. So Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah. Okay. Next. Today, everybody, I haven't seen you for a while. Um, I, I want to tell you that my name is Carol Harvey. I'm an investigative reporter working on Treasure Island since 2014, and I need to let you know that these uh, power outages have been happening continually from the time I reached the island in February of 2014. People complained about those things right away, uh, about their appliances being fried. And the island is now legendary for these constant power outages. This needs to be handled. People living on the island, this is very dangerous when this happens. They can't go outside because this is dangerous. There are people out there who will commit crimes. I've heard this from the security guards. So this needs to be handled. We can't wait until this island is redeveloped. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next person, please. Hi, my name is Jeff Klein. I'm a 25 year resident of Treasure Island. And uh, uh, first, I'd like to say it's great to see you all face to face, to go back to real meetings. And I second uh, the effort to get the Rules Committee to approve of remote access to meetings and continue that because it's some people really can't make it, so that's helpful. Got to say, WebEx, like most Microsoft products, is a little buggy. I had problems with it, but it's better than nothing. Um, and the other thing about the meetings is I just learned reading the minutes of an earlier meeting this year that there are no on-island meetings planned. 
for 2023. And the last meeting that we had on island, uh, I think it was Director Samaha moved to have three on island meetings a year going forward. And now we're at zero. And I, no. I'd really. We, we will have um, meetings on Treasure Island. Well, that's a relief um, because it's, this is a hard time for people to get to City Hall in the middle of the day, in the middle of a work week. Um, and those on-online meetings are very sociable. We, we usually have food. It's very sociable. It's very informal, like have an hour, you know, to just network and talk to people. And, and uh, you know, I had a long conversation with uh, Karen Edelman, actually, at the last uh, on-island meeting. But the other thing uh, of these power outages, Jim mentioned he lost some expensive equipment. And there is a problem with filing um, damages claims with the city attorney's office because we have between 12 and 18 power outages, and I don't know how many fluctuations that these spikes of voltage and amperage, um, and it's, it's an incredible burden, and you have an ongoing situation, and there's gotta be some sort of um, remedy that will, we can make it easier for uh, people who've suffered damages from the outages to make a claim for damages to the city without having to file every six months. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Byron Kaufman, resident of Treasure Island. It's good to see you. I just came from chatting with Mark. He's the senior VP of PG&E. We had the other executives there from Southern California, San Diego, up through Canada. And the reason I'm thanking you is I would have never founded Grid Science, my energy technology company, if it were not for living in a place that had a grid that was not working. And now I work with executives from Thailand to Brazil, throughout Canada, Australasia, with one of the most advanced systems on the planet. And you don't have to do all of that, but you can, you can fix this. But even when we're gone, you're gonna need to electrify that island, and you're gonna wanna make sure that that island is ready for electrification. So I hope to God to see San Francisco be the crown jewel that it can be, particularly in electrification. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any others who want to address the board during general comments? Okay, I think we'll go now to see if there's anybody on the phone. There is no remote public comment. Okay, so there's no remote public comment, so we will go to the next item, please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank, thank you, Chair Tsen, uh, members of the title board, uh, members of the, the public. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to return to in-person in meetings, and uh, as Director Tsen uh, mentioned, when we set the regular schedule for this year, we uh, weren't certain when we would return to in-person meetings, but now that we have in-person meetings, we will uh, be looking to schedule some on-island meetings as well. Um, and the cab is also scheduled to re resume in-person meetings in April. Um, before I, I dive into uh, my topics, I'd like to invite Nella Gonçalves uh, to say a few words about programs of One Treasure Island. 
Good afternoon, directors. Thank you, Bob. It's good to see you all in person, and happy International Women's Day. Happy you too. Yes. So uh, my report is in your packet. Uh, there are a few things that I'd like to highlight. Um, I'd like to highlight that we just graduated our 14th cohort of the construction training program. Uh, we had nine graduates. We're very excited to have those nine because our enrollment was greatly affected by the storms um, that we had about eight weeks ago exactly. Um, but we did graduate uh, nine folks, and there were two women in the class, and they are currently being placed um, in employment now, some on the island, so we're very excited about that. We're also recruiting for the 15th cohort, uh, which will begin in May. We are excited to welcome a new employment specialist uh, to our staff. Her name is Alexia Saavedra. And uh, she has a lot of experience doing um, employment work and working with families and individuals in general. So we're excited to welcome her to our team. Um, as far as outreach, I just want to remind the board that if you not have already, we have our mass texting program, Island News, uh, where you can receive regular updates about Treasure Island, uh, all things Treasure Island, traffic, events, uh, construction. And uh, if you need information, I sent Kate the flyer again so she can pass that along to you all. And I'd like to talk a little bit about some community events. Last month, we celebrated Black History Month in partnership with the Parent Council and the YMCA and hosted a movie night on the island that was very successful. And we are excited to uh, partner to do more events. We also uh, did 28 Days of Black History, which was a social media post on Instagram and Facebook. We kicked off our health and wellness workshop series, which we're really excited. has been well attended and very popular. We are in week four, I believe, tomorrow. Um, and the topics are acupressure, yoga, financial health. Um, Zumba is tomorrow, so that should be exciting for the folks, and the residents are really appreciating that. We're also uh, beginning monthly bingo. Uh, again, because that's always been a popular um, uh, activity on the island, so we'll start that this month. And then last but not least, we're very excited um, to welcome the new residents for Maceo May, and One Treasure Island completed a welcome packet, which we are going to be distributing to all of the new residents of Maceo May. Um, just a side note, we will be distributing it to all residents, um, those who are currently on the island and new residents as they come in, but we're going to roll it out with Maceo May. And we also were able to uh, purchase each resident of the Maceo May uh, building a new microwave um, as a welcome gift from One Treasure Island. And so folks are moving in. We're excited about that, um, gearing up to reach out to them during their community meeting to do a orientation uh, to Treasure Island and then uh, share with them all the services that One Treasure Island offers. So that is my report. Um, I do have um, a report from the YMCA as well. So um, as many of you know, I reported last month that Shiante was out on medical leave. Well, she is back two days as of today. Uh, so she's very happy to be back. And she said that since they've purchased new equipment, the gym enrollment is booming. So very excited about that. They have spring uh, break camp coming up soon for the youth on the island. And so they'll be outreaching that. They are hiring um, positions at the YMCA as well. And that is the report for the YMCA. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you Nana. Um, also included in the package was a, uh, 
slide deck from Treasure Island Museum. They've held a number of events this year already, including an organ concert, uh, hosting students from the Bay School, and uh, a meeting of barrier travel riders, as well as a well-attended swing dance event on February 18th. Um, in this uh, coming month, in March, they'll be hosting on the 18th a screening of a documentary about Dudley Carter, who was a woodworker uh, who participated in the Golden Gate International Exposition's Art in Action program during the 1939 Golden Gate International Exposition. Um, on February 16th, Supervisor Dorsey uh, hosted a public safety town hall uh, at the Ship Shape with uh, support from the SFMTA, uh, SF Safe, and, and the police department. Um, as has been mentioned, we did have a number of storms uh, so far this year and, and another uh, significant storm uh, expected tomorrow. Uh, PUC has been preparing catch basins for that storm and public works crews continue to do pothole uh, repair around the island. Um, as Nella mentioned, the uh, Maceo May apartments uh, have begun move-ins. The uh, property management staff began moving in last week and current island source to plowshares residents are to begin moving in this week. Um, after some of the initial uh, uh, chaos of, of opening the building settles down. We will be working with Swords to Plowshares to schedule tours of the building uh, for other residents of the island that would like to see, who are interested in seeing what the new uh, developments will look like. Um, <clears throat> new traffic routing is in place on Seven Seas, Trade Winds, and Clipper Cove uh, after traffic changes in February. Um, and the Avenue of the Palms detour is now closed. The next uh, focus uh, in the notice of completion process will be Macala Road, Yerba Buena Road, and uh, the Treasure Island Road across the causeway, uh, as well as Yerba Buena Island infrastructure, including the water reservoirs. The, uh, the San Francisco Library um, unveiled the city's first uh, book stop self-service kiosk at the Island Cove Market on February 18th. Uh, Supervisor Dorsey, Director Richardson, and City Librarian Michael Lambert were in attendance. Uh, the kiosk is available for browsing, checking out, and returning uh, books during the Island Cove Market's uh, regular hours of operations. A library card is required for checkout, but there's also a QR code on the front of the machine so that that will take people directly to the website uh, to apply online for a, a new library card. Um, bookmobile, bookmobile service will continue on Wednesdays uh, from 2 to 6 p.m. And uh, Merced is also hosting a, a new little free library uh, uh, at their property uh, for the community as well. Uh, Titus staff and, and staff from the De San Francisco Department of the Environment recently had uh, hosted two field trips for Life Learning Academy biology and ecology classes to visit Clipper Cove Beach and the new uh, McCullough Stormwater Gardens. Um, and uh, again, San Francisco Environment and Titus staff along with the Academy of Science are, are planning for the upcoming 2023 bio blitz on April, uh, Tuesday, April 11th. 
um, and we'll be doing outreach to community members that would be interested in participating in that. Uh, and that concludes my report. Thank you, thank you so much. I, I just wanted to note how really wonderful it is that Maceo May has been finished. It is our first affordable housing project on Treasure Island, and it is a beautiful building, beautifully designed. And I'm sure that the residents moving in are just very pleased to be there. Um, so we will be having a dedication um, celebration of that um, project. Um, and we're waiting for a date when Nancy Pelosi and the mayor can attend. So we'll let everybody know when that date is chosen. Okay. But um, what I wanted to do with the director's report is to um, open it up to public comment, and then I will have um, any questions or comments from the, the directors. Thank you. Is there any in-person public comment? Seeing none, we do have one caller on the line. Um, oh, there's oh. one person. Sorry, please come yes, up. Please come up. Hi there, um, my name is Ben Seistetos, uh, current resident. Um, I want to say um, thank you to um, Tida and the um, uh, library for setting up the new um, kiosk. It's pretty neat to have that be the first thing, the librarian, head librarian being out there, um, the giveaways and everything, um, that felt really nice. Um, so we really appreciate that and we're gonna start using it. Um, on a comment related to the um, transportation and the, you know, rerouting um, through that, the new road, um, what's it called, Seven Seas, or uh, I don't remember. Um, it's very challenging right now to understand where things are taking place. There was a notice that um, they're going to be doing drilling next to the plant that does our uh, water treatment. And it named a road that um, doesn't exist on Google Maps. <laughs> I know you can't control Google Maps. Um, I couldn't find the information where this located. I just like, okay, it's west of the current plant, right? So the driving directions, you try to get um, an Uber back to your home. Um, the drivers get confused because the road doesn't exist in Google Maps. Again, not your guys' fault, but these are challenges that we're experiencing now, right? Um, and additionally, it's, um, it's harder to access the ferry than it was before, right? So there were only the houses in the very front were really walkable to the ferry prior to the roadway closing. Um, they were about a half mile walk. Um, my home is a mile along the pathway. You can't take that pathway anymore. Um, so now it's like 1.4 miles, um, which, you know, I tried to take it um, this morning um, with my bike and I missed it because I didn't build in an extra three or four minutes. So I know the ridership has gone down and speaking with them yesterday. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for those comments. Um, we will note that. We are an island under construction and much of what you're experiencing is that process in, be in between, but hopefully we'll get it better. Um, let's finish again with um, any other comments and if not, in person, we'll go to the, anybody on the phone. 
I'll unmute the first caller. Go ahead. Uh, hi, this is Mike Kennehane with the Treasure Island Museum. Uh, I just wanted to, don't want to take much of your time, but I just wanted to thank Tida for all of its support that uh, they've given the museum, and we've been acknowledging you in our communications. But, um, and I also wanted to extend my gratitude to all the businesses on the island, One Treasure Island, uh, the winery. I mean, uh, and if you take a minute just to scroll through our slide deck, we have been trying to be as inclusive as possible and do as many events as possible to promote this great island. So. Um, again, thank you guys very much for everything you do for us. Okay. Thank you for that comment, Mike. Um, and we appreciate what the Treasure Island Museum does as well. So, any others? There's no more public comment. Oh, I'm sorry. So. I'll take that. Hi again, Carol Harvey again. I'm trying to video you and talk at the same time. Um, did I hear you say, I'm not sure this got covered, but did I hear you say that you were going to try to set up more on-island meetings of the board? If not, I'm going to request that you do more than you did before because the people on the island really need to know what's going on uh, more frequently than they do. And so I'm, I'm requesting that now. Thank you very much. Thank you. So um, hearing no others and also nobody on the phone, I will call on the directors and first Ms. Richardson. Yes, thank you, Commissioner Shen. And Thank you for everyone uh, being here, and to our new commissioner, thank you, and Commissioner Howard. A question that I have, um, actually, it's not on the agenda, but we heard you loud um, with regards to outages, the fluctuations that you mentioned. If you look back, we've been dealing with this issue for a long time now. And yes, and to us here, we're, you know, very concerned. We are doing a lot of things to make sure that we can alleviate um, that problem. In fact, you should know we are paying SFPUC a lot of money to represent us. And so the dilemma for us, and we can't go into all the details, however, our staff is making a note on that, and you know, we are back to City Hall, and it'll be great. We will have all these officials and stakeholders to come in and also on the island to explain what they're explaining to us. So rest be assured. And I also convey to our director, yeah, we're under construction at that, that island. And so the transportation impact is going to be significant at some point, but having the proper route and labeling and, um, you know, to will be, will be extremely, you know, very helpful. Um, my question to the Treasure Island, one Treasure Island, thank you for again uh, spearheading the training. We need to state, and every time I had the opportunity to speak, our training is one of the best, if probably not the best, in the city, in the region, 
what we are doing here is not only building Treasure Island, we are also making sure we are training athletes, youth, we are providing the funds, and then having them to participate in the construction, and hopefully they will be Treasure Island residents. And this is what we need to convey every time so that people that are here and listening can understand that, that we are very mindful of those kind of things. And do let us know when you are going to be doing your recruiting so again we can inform just about everybody else in the, in the city. And uh, thank you, uh, One Treasure Island, for your ongoing um, support you know, to the residents. And now that we have the new Marseille residents, we also want to connect them to the island as whole well because one of the goals here, if you live on Treasure Island, regardless of where you live, in the new building or in building that are in transition, we need to make sure that all the resources, everything that we can give everybody, it's not desegregation, we want to connect them. So do please help us to make sure that everyone is invited to all the events and they can participate and become that the unity for the island whole. We will, you are the experts and we are going to leave that up to you. And so those are just my comments. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Dunlop. Well, here today because um, that is awesome. It's you know not a lot, but it's better than it has been in the past. So after three years, I guess people found the energy and time to make it here, and I, I personally appreciate it. And I know the board does because yeah, it's really important that people who are living there, like myself, um, make comments and let the board know what exactly is going on. Uh, you know, the power sag thing, uh, I didn't actually even know anything about that, but I, my coffee maker did fry out a while back, so might be a power sag issue. But um, I, I really agree with getting the PUC here and having them talk to us and explain you know, what's going on, as well as you know, we'll have hopefully a meeting with the staff to also talk about the future because, again, this is uh, island in progress. And, uh, but, and, you know, when, as we move forward, hopefully things will get better, but uh, they get better because people come here and tell us they need to have it better. So um, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it, I, this is just a question to the staff really quick. Do we have a, um, a shuttle to the ferry, or were we? I we don't currently have a shuttle, but the uh, the CTA is working to uh, um, pilot an autonomous uh, shuttle on the island, um, and that should be starting later this spring. So it'll be a shuttle that will go from the residential neighborhood uh, to, to building one by the grocery store. Uh, and around the island, so. Is that the driverless shuttle? Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And, um, and I guess that's also, you know, I was there for the library kiosk opening and that's a great thing. I, you know, really appreciate what the library's done for our neighborhood, um, being the island neighborhood. Um, and uh, the graduation, also, I 
just wanted to put a thank you in for the Treasure Island uh, one, one Treasure Island. Uh, you know, I was there at the last graduation, and it's just awesome to see these people who have might, you know, perhaps before they got involved with One Treasure Island, didn't really have a plan for life. And at the end of the graduation, you know, many of them have jobs and at least have a, a destination and certainly a quality education in, um, you know, in what their trades are and potential to get a job through the trades. So anyway, thank you, One Treasure Island. You do such a great job. Thank you. That's all. Thank you, um, and Ms. Preston. Um, thank you. Um, I just wanted to give a you know give a hand to all the agencies on the island. They've been stepping up like over the last couple of years. I'm especially um, happy about the the interaction at the YMCA. Um, Bob, my question is: Can we do some aggressive hiring? What can we do to get some people hired over there? How can we help them? Because the programs are enlarging. We, I was contacted by. Um, the Arts Commission the other day, and they want to implement the photography program again. And I know last year we had 26 students when we were only expecting 12. And so is there some way, maybe One Treasure Island, we can help in getting some hirees over there? After talking to Shiante, I know they're pretty stretched. So I think, you know, if we can help with that, that would be good. The power sack is a very interesting um, thing that you brought up, and I'm glad that you did. And I'm also sorry that did you miss the town hall meeting with PUC and um, Dorsey last month because they brought up some good points. And I'm sorry that you missed that, which also brings me to another point about the outreach on the island. There were some very good events happening over these last couple of months with the museum, the town hall meeting, and it just seems like even with the text messaging system, we're still not getting the word out of there. At some point, we have to corral everybody's community efforts so we can all be on the same page. Um, I'm sorry that I missed the swing dance. I would have got dressed up and did it, okay? We, me and my family would have had fun up there, okay? I love a theme party. So I really want to see a lot more outreach, especially with the um, bio blitz coming up and the collaboration that we got going on, you know, with the biology and the, I mean, Treasure Island is one of the most premier places for the environment. And, you know, and I see collaborations coming up with the Exploratorium in the school district. I really want to see something like that implemented on the island. We should take advantage of it for our youth. And as far as the ferry service, I am so sorry that that happened. And what can we do to help that? Is there any way we can open up that path to have a little more access, or is it just impossible right now? They, they've closed the path because they're pre preparing to start work on the parks that will be developed along city side. So that's going to be a construction zone. So that's, that's yeah, why so it's been closed. There's nothing yeah. that we can do about that. Um, I sympathize because I live on the island also, and I understand about the bus routes and, you know, the rerouting and the renaming of the streets and the deliveries and the Ubers. My husband was actually late to his appointment because, so I don't know if it's a matter of signage, if it's something that we can do on the island or if it's some way we can expedite the process. 
uh, is there any way the PUC can help us update the GPS services or the map services? Is it something we can do on the city side? And um, Linda, you're um, to meet with the officials and the stakeholders about for better explanations, I think would definitely help us help the community in better understanding because yes we are still going through the power outages and yes they are still very frustrating um but aside for that like i said it's good to be well it's good to be down here the first time in person mm -hmm. and it's good like i said to see all the agencies on the island stepping up to the plate and doing the thing i, I look forward to a great summer and spring thank you thank you Okay, so um, hearing no other comments, uh, then we will go on to the next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by Tida. Okay, so um, are there any questions or comments by directors on this item? Okay, and then um, from the public. Hi again, commissioners, and thanks for hearing my comment. Um, I wrote a two-page email that is on page one and two of your communications packet, and if you don't have time to take a look, it's worth a read. Uh, the title is Treasure Island Project's Punitive Residential Parking Costs Make Affordable Units Unaffordable for Most Lower-Income Households. And I do the math on that, which is based on the price for a parking space. Now all the parking is unbundled, so they're not included with the purchase of any of the units, and these unbundled parking spaces at the Bristol cost $115,000 each. I calculated that the very reasonable, generous cost of building one, including a 20% profit, is 34000 leaving an $81,000 windfall profit times 8,000 units is $648 million of a windfall profit to the Treasure Island Development Corporation. Now, we're all asking ourselves why we need to have this toll. Oh, we need it for the transit. Well, in the DDA, Tida signed a sweetheart deal with the Treasure Island Community Development to cap their transit costs at 37, less than $37 million. And yet they're going to guaranteed in that same DDA a billion-dollar profit. And now this $648 million windfall profit and the lead developer is Lennar, the biggest home builder in the United States. So I believe TICD must be required to use some of this money to pay for the transit required by their project, which every other project in San Francisco, the developer pays, and also to pay for replacement housing. And uh, you, there's a lot more in there about how uh, Treasure Island is a community of concern because uh, according to the census, 34% of Treasure Island households lack access to a vehicle, and yet 70% of driver, it's 70% of San Francisco residents drive. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. There's more. Okay. So no other members of the public? What about on the phone? Uh, there's no remote public comment. Okay, thank you. So we'll go on to the next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Okay, are there any items that Board would like to bring up? 
Um, uh, Mr. Dunlop, yes. We pretty much made the point that it would be great to talk to the PUC. I missed that meeting too. Um, so it would, I think, because things are continuing, problems are continuing, uh, we really need to get a handle on this and get some, you know, dates. When is this problem going to yeah. be fixed? Yeah. What are you going to do, et cetera? Right. I, I, we, we do plan to have the PUC at the Treasure Island meeting when we are on island. So um, that will be um, soon in the future. Okay. Um, any other items? Um, oh, Ms. Breston, excuse me. Go um, ahead. Do we have a date when we may start the on-island meetings? Um, I, I think that we um, are looking at the calendar, and we don't quite have a date yet, but um, usually we had one in the spring and in the fall, um, and so we'll We'll look at the calendars um, soon to see when we can schedule it. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to get today behind us <laughs> and, and have a successful return uh, to in-person meetings. But um, quite often we're, we're, we don't have an August meeting, um, but I think uh, we'll, I'll consult with Faye and probably look at an on-island before August and then another one, as she said, in, in the fall. Um, it used to be we did April and, and November. Um, maybe this year it'd be May and November or something like that. But we'll we'll uh, um, and and as was mentioned uh, in 2020, we actually had calendared three on island board meetings, yeah. and then um, we, yeah. we only ended up having two meetings uh, in yeah. person that year. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we would, uh, would like to find two dates this year and and then have uh, three, at least three planned dates next year. And will we be doing them in the evening towards, you know? Yeah, the yeah, on-island board meetings we, we traditionally hold in the evening. Um, it's so been a while. That since residents who are working have the opportunity to get home right. and attend. So, so we'll look forward to that, and yeah. certainly everybody will be noticed um, for those in-person meetings. Um, my next question is about the library. Um, the kiosk, will there be a um, adult selection? Will there be another kiosk with more adult books? <laughs> we got some preteens and some good, you know, uh, elementary books, but for the, you know. <laughs> they, they had, they, they had um, all kinds actually for all the ages and gender, yeah. And how often do they and switch out the? Um, well, I, I think that if it's part of the library system, you can actually order the book you'd like to read. Oh, okay. And, and, and they will deliver it. Oh, as well kiosk. as check out the books that are available. Yeah, yeah. and they have a, a very impressive uh, collection for yeah. kids and they young do. adults. Yeah, it was okay. really great. Um, Supervisor Summer Darcy did a great job in bringing uh, yeah. that well, to I the island. I, I think it's wonderful that libraries on, on the island. And yeah. then my last question is, when will the next town hall meeting be scheduled? We, we were just talking about that. Oh, the town hall meeting. That's different from the on-island. Typically, if you're referring to Supervisor Dorsey's town yeah. halls, That's yeah, they that scheduling That's is planned through, through so their office. Um, because it was a really good meeting. There was a lot of good information. San Francisco safe, the police department, um, Supervisor Dorsey, and um, PUC. And I think, it, I don't, I really wish it was better attended. You know, I think it was a lot going on on the island. And as I said, outreach, we can, we can step up our outreach. 
Um, if we could probably, I don't know, get an impromptu one, maybe we could do something on Zoom. But I think it would behoove everybody on the island, especially in the, as we are moving people into the new building and we reconstructing the front and nobody knows how to exactly get there. And when it's dark, it's dark and the raccoons are outside. So if we could maybe well i think supervisor dorsey's assistants are probably listening in and well so yes we will ask him to schedule more townhouse thank you town hall meetings yeah okay so we'll go on to the next item please kate item number six consent agenda 6a approving the minutes of the february 8th 2023 meeting 6B, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to execute an agreement between the Treasure Island Development Authority and Langen Engineering and Environmental Services for Environment Engineering and Oversight Services for Treasure Island. Okay, are there any matters that the directors would like to hear individually from outside of the consent agenda? So if not, could I have a motion? I'll move it. Second. Can I have a second? Second to motion. Okay. And so now we will hear public comment before we take the vote on the vote. Okay. And is there any comment on the phone? Here, seeing nobody. No public comment. Okay. So then we will take the vote now by roll. Oh, we don't have to do a roll call anymore. We're all here. So all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you. Next item, please. Item number seven, update on the transitional housing program for residents of the villages at Treasure Island. Thank you, directors. Um, wanted to uh, uh, provide an overview. Uh, some of this is a refresher, um, but for people in the audience or people online um, and, and for our new board members, um, we later have an action item uh, for uh, an RFP uh, for um, uh, support for advisory services in support of our transition housing plan or program. And so wanted to provide a bit of an overview of uh, what the transition housing plan for plans are for current residents of the island um, and walk through that for you. Um, so uh, describe who uh, our residents are, who their housing providers are, um, the, the elements of the transition plans and then go into a little more depth on uh, the transition plan for the villages at Treasure Island, which are, are our market rate residents, and then um, the, what the transition opportunity pipeline looks like. Um, so uh, following the closure of, of Naval Station Treasure Island, the city uh, elected to make interim use of the housing on the island. Uh, to provide temporary housing to people while the program went through entitlement and into development. Uh, of course, that, that process has lasted longer than uh, I think anybody envisioned at the time, um, but uh, um, that was the, the genesis of, of our housing on the island. And there were 250 units that were initially made available to one Treasure Island, which was formerly the, the home, Treasure Island Homeless Development Initiative uh, and their member agencies. Um, and then the balance of the units were made available uh, to market rate residents through uh, property management agreement with, with John Stewart Company. 
Um, so all of our current residents are either leaseholders uh, in apartments managed by uh, Swords to Plowshares, Catholic Charities, Health Right 360, or, or HomeRise, um, or they're, they're leaseholders uh, with the villages at Treasure Island. Um, the uh, origins of our transition programs, um, the development of the island has always required that the uh, existing housing and actually most of the, the structures on Treasure Island, with the ex exception of the historic structures, be vacated and demolished. Um, and uh, the, uh, the leasing of, of the former Navy housing was, was an interim use uh, in advance of redevelopment. And new residents uh, were advised of city intention to develop the island and that housing was a temporary interim use. Um, as such, uh, the, there weren't relocation benefits stip stip stipulated or mandated by state or federal relocation law, but in endorsing the 2006 development plan and term sheet for the island, the Board of Supervisors um, directed that the final uh, develop, disposition development agreement include transition plans for current residents. And so those were drafted and included uh, in the final entitlement of the program. So for one Treasure Island, uh, the um, uh, amended and restated uh, base closure homeless assistance agreement, sometimes known as the tie-dye agreement, um, was, uh, covers the, the, the transitional housing for uh, the, the one Treasure Island member agencies. Um, and under that program, all one Treasure Island uh, residents and program, programs and residents in good standing will be transitioned uh, to replacement units or facilities. Um, and TIDA is partnering with one Treasure Island to develop the initial projects to accomplish that transition. Um, and. Uh, those agencies currently operate 260 units on the island. Um, and as we mentioned, uh, currently the, the Swords to Plowshares, which operates 36 of those units, are in the process of moving into Maceo May Apartments. Um, so the, the, the goal is to, to accomplish all of these transition opportunities within the authority sites that are included in Major Phase 1, uh, beginning with the Maceo May Apartments, uh, and then the uh, Starview Court, uh, which is uh, intended to provide replacement units for all Catholic charities, households, as well as some uh, transition units and new affordable units uh, that uh, villages, residents, and households can access. And then um, the third site, uh, we have pre-development financing for the third site, which will be a a behavioral health building for Health Right 360 uh, with some additional capacity for the Department of Public Health, as well as a separate uh, senior affordable housing building on that same site. Um, and then uh, we have the next two sites uh, uh, will each be about 150 units uh, in total, and uh, each of those will include some uh, replacement unit opportunities for home rise residents, as well as additional transition units um, and new affordable units for uh, residents of the villages. So uh, as I mentioned, the Maceo May Apartments um, got its TCO at the end of January and 
move-ins have started. And then um, going to the, the villages, uh, the, the agreements for the villages is a little more uh, complex uh, in that the, the tie-dye agreement provides that uh, all uh, residents of the tie-dye member, the One Treasure Island member agencies will be transitioned uh, into the new buildings when, regardless of when they arrived on the island, uh, the uh, transition housing rules and regulations for the villages specifically provided benefits to the residents who were residing uh, in the market rate housing at the time of the DDA. Um, so there's a, a specific benefits that are set aside for those that were here prior to two, 2011. And then in 2019, uh, the, the transition housing rules and regulations were modified by the title board and the board of supervisors to um, give residents uh, that moved into the villages between June of 2011 and December of 2019, priority access to new affordable units uh, on the island. So to give you a, a snapshot of, of what our, our population looks like, um, we have the 261 Treasure Island households, and then we have, uh, within the villages, we have 92 households where everybody living in that household uh, was here in 2011. Then we have 65 households where some of the individuals living in that household were here in 2011. Um, and collectively, those households are referred to as, as legacy households, and I'll talk about that a little bit on the next slide. Um, and then we have uh, 161 households where uh, no one in the unit lived there, was living on the island in 2011. Um, and then we have 32 units that are leased to commercial entities. Um, so the, and then uh, the, the number of individuals uh, who, are who were here in 2011 uh, is 321 of our residents and then 392 residents who uh, moved in in between 2011 and 2019 and 105 uh, residents that have moved in since 2019. Um, and we have not been, or the villages, uh, John Stewart Company has not been entering into new leases, but the, those 105 uh, people have uh, come to live on the island through roommates moving out and new, new roommates moving into the housing. And so that's how we have um, these different, um, these more recent uh, residents uh, in, in the villages. So the, the benefits that were established for the residents that were here in 2011, the first was the promise of an offer of a transition unit. And uh, the, the real intent of the uh, 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 transition housing rules and regulations was that um, residents, current market rate residents of the island uh, not be required to leave the island without the opportunity to move into a new development on the island. Um, and so that transition unit is, uh, uh, was one of the, the um, was a, the primary purpose of the transition housing rules and regulations. <coughs> There's also advisory assistance uh, options and uh, 
moving assistance and, and pre-marketing notices if, they're inter if a resident was interested in pursuing uh, a unit in, in a market rate building. Um, if alternatives to a transition unit include um, uh, down payment assistance if, if the party's interested in purchasing a market rate unit or uh, an affordable unit and or an in lieu cash payment if the household chooses to decline the transition unit uh, and move off of the island. Um, there are also additional provisions provided for in the transition housing rules and regulations, including an option for an early in lieu payment opportunity that we have gone ahead and opened up to uh, residents in recognition of the amount of time that it has taken to begin the process of providing transition units. So um, again, the transition units are intended to provide those households established prior to 2011 with the opportunity to remain on the island in a newly developed unit. Um, the transition unit is a, is a non-income restricted apartment within a newly constructed affordable building on Treasure Island. And, and TIDA is responsible working with our affordable housing developers to deliver those uh, uh, transition unit opportunities. Um, the size and, and the rent of the, uh, the transition units are governed by the transition housing rules regulations. Um, and after we've completed um, all of the transition offers um, in the future, as those units turn over, they will become uh, affordable units. So who's eligible? I said, mentioned that you know, the households that were established prior to 2011 are eligible for these transition units, and it's a, it's a household benefit. Um, so there's a, a unit offered to, to the household um, as a whole. Um, so there's the legacy households where everyone is, is a, was here in 2011, and then within a mixed household, only the residents within that household that were here in 2011 are, are offered the transition unit, um, as well as any benefit eligible residents living in the mixed household. Um, and, I'll just, uh, and a benefit eligible resident is, is someone who has uh, moved into a mixed household um, and is either married to uh, a legacy resident or the child of a legacy resident. So um, they, they their, their uh, presence is counted as if they were there in 2011 when assessing the, uh, the transition unit benefit and they're allowed to move into the transition unit as well. For the other residents, um, the residents uh, that moved in between 2011 and 2019, they, they will have priority placement uh, for new affordable units on the island. Um, we've adopted the term uh, vested resident for, for this group of individuals. And for the folks that have moved in after 2011, um, we've adopted the term post vested. Um, and right now the, the um, transition housing rules and regulations don't provide any uh, housing opportunities for those post vested residents, um, but we'll provide uh, advisory services to make sure that they're aware of their, their circumstances and their options. Um, which brings us to uh, transition unit offers. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the transition housing rules and regulations 
promise uh, opportunity for those households that were here in 2011 to have an opportunity to move into a new unit uh, on the island. Um, and uh, as we construct these transition units, we'll begin the process of offering them to, to current households. Uh, and when offered, uh, the household uh, must elect whether to uh, move into the transition unit, um, take down payment assistant or in lieu payment, um, but they'll be required to vacate their existing unit. Um, and uh, as we build the transition units with the first coming being available um, in a little over a year and a half, or a little under a year and a half, um, the first intention is to look for households wishing to move uh, into the transition units. So we're gonna seek volunteers first and then we've conducted a, a legacy household ranking to establish the order in which uh, legacy households will be offered uh, transition units after volunteers. Um, and, you know, making the decision of whether to t accept a transition unit um, or to pursue an affordable unit uh, or take an in lieu payment uh, is, is, a, is a complex one and, it, and it's different for each household because, uh, you know, depending upon your circumstances, um, you may have one number of bedrooms in a transition unit and a different number of bedrooms in an affordable unit. And of course, the rents for the units will also be different. Um, also, transition units will be different from current housing. There'll be centralized laundry facilities uh, in lieu of uh, washer and dryers in each unit. Um, there will not be guaranteed parking, um, and there will be other changes. Um, so the advisory services are intended to support households in, in, in understanding and evaluating uh, their, their options. So a little bit on the pipeline of what's coming up. Um, these are the, the sites that I, I showed earlier, the, the five sites uh, where we anticipate providing uh, all of the transition opportunities for one Treasure Island households and the majority of, of opportunities for uh, households of the villages. The uh, Starview Court building uh, is the first uh, of these that will be, or the next of these that will be completed. And uh, our Catholic Charities residents will be moving into that building, as well as we'll have um, uh, transition units and additional affordable units uh, for villages households. In fact, there will be 23 transition units and uh, 43 uh, affordable units in addition to those um, occupied by Catholic Charities households. So we want to make sure that um, uh, uh, we fill the transition units, but also that particularly any vested residents that may not have other, you know, access to a future transition unit, but, but might qualify for an affordable unit are aware of those opportunities and able to uh, pursue them. In terms of what the timeline will look like uh, in the next year and a half, um, expect uh, later this, this spring, uh, in the May-June timeframe, to be doing uh, outreach um, and seeking volunteers to, who would be interested in moving into the Starview Courts, um, followed by a period of uh, making transition unit offers to uh, 
uh, current residents. We'll need to wrap up, uh, conclude those offers by the end of this year um, so that uh, early next year, uh, Mayor's Office of Housing can conduct the Dahlia Lottery for to identify uh, who will be eligible for the additional affordable units in, in the building and then a period of lease up prior to the completion of that project, uh, which is currently scheduled for May of 2024. And then um, other relocation opportunities that, that will be upcoming uh, in the next uh, few years. In addition to Starview Court, there are um, inclusionary affordable units in the Hawkins, the Tidal House, and the Portico, uh, which are already in, under construction. Um, and then uh, additional projects that are expected to break ground later this year on partial B1.2 and C2.3. And then I mentioned uh, earlier uh, the E1.2 uh, senior building, which we expect will break ground um, in 2024. And just a few images of, of some of the properties during the pipeline up on uh, Yerba Buena Island. There are additional market rate flats and townhomes on the 3Y and 4Y parcels. And then this is the, the Tidal House uh, project um, with 24 inclusionary affordable units. Uh, Hawkins with uh, nine uh, inclusionary affordable units. And then the Portico. Um, all of these, these buildings are currently under construction on the front side of the island and then Behind building one will be um, a new development, a new rental development uh, behind building one adjacent to Clipper Cove. And then uh, parcel C2.3 um, adjacent to the title house will be uh, an, another condominium project uh, that's expected to break ground uh, later this year. Um, so, um, over the next uh, year to 18 months, we're going to need to do a lot of work with the uh, residents of the villages um, to prepare outreach and advice and pre-marketing materials for new market rate and inclusionary units. Um, and uh, um, make sure that, that uh, uh, residents of the villages are informed and able to take advantage of, of this uh, unique opportunity um, in addition to uh, the going through the process of making transition unit offers for Starview Court. Um, and uh, that uh, concludes my overview and, and status report, but happy to take questions board members may have. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob, for that um, summary of the transition housing rules and regulations. Um, and we are, you know, so glad that uh, affordable housing is being built, that there will be more market rate housing as well, um, and that residential program is, has, has begun. Um, so we, again, are going to take comments from the public and on the phone, and then we'll open it up for questions and comments from the directors. Go ahead. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Director Beck. Uh, Christoph Opperman, long-time resident on the islands for, what is it, 23 years. Um, I still dream of a meeting like this where everybody is smiling. If you look behind me, people are not smiling. 
residents are not happy. Residents are confused. Director Beck, you mentioned it yourself. A lot of outreach has to happen. Long story short, the transition housing rules, when they started, made a lot of promises. Very few of those promises have survived. Um, the biggest promise was comparable units. Um, the units that are being built and ultimately would be offered in transition are not comparable. They are smaller in size, they don't have the same amount of bathrooms, they don't have parking, they don't have in you laundry facilities, they don't have a view, which some of us paid 23 years extra on our rent to enjoy a view. Uh, they don't have outdoors, they don't have balconies or any patios. We understand that the development is different. We understand that development simply does not include some of those features, but comparable, those units are not. When we look at transition units today, we look for something that is fair to the residents, and we're gravely worried that units will be offered to us, as outlined to us just now again. Um, and if you like it, you take it. If you don't like it, move off the island. Mm, that seems a little bit non-San Francisco to me, uh, where we should have choices. Don't you all agree? We should have choices where we say, look, take this unit, or would you like this unit, or would you like that unit? Not saying, boom, here's a unit, take it or leave it, or take your in your payment. The bottom line for me is a lot of work needs to be done, guys. Um, a lot of residents scratching their head are blue and pale in the face, worried deeply every night, every morning they wake up, what's going to happen to us when we get those notices, vacate your building, uh, and or here's your transition unit, like it or not. Bottom line is, I know I'm almost done, that we will be forced into low-income housing units as legacy households. Where is the benefit that we were, where are the benefits that we Thank were you. promised? I know. Sorry. Sorry, just two Thank minutes per person. Thank you for your comment. Thank you. Next. Go ahead. Hey, I'm nervous. I don't like speaking on the mic, but my name is Alexandria Rockett. I have been a resident on Treasure Island since 98. <laughs> Um, I originally came out here because I had a handicapped daughter. They told me that she wouldn't make it to be seven. I came out here and she survived till she was 23. She passed away when COVID started. My main concern, I'm a legacy holder. I don't know exactly where me and my kids are going, but it's a great concern. And the buildings that you're building, I feel like things are being taken away from us. I feel like you guys are building it up for the outside, but forgetting about the people that are there. You're downsizing us to places and it's taken away from us. Being that we were in a pandemic, we are used to washing our own clothes, not going into a building and sharing with a bunch of people. Then there's no parking. I have two adult kids that work on Treasure Island. So what, I mean, they wanna stay, we're all together. We can't be fighting for parking and taking risks on losing this, losing that, then just with the downsizing period. Hopefully the safety on the island is secure and picks up. My son was also working on his lunch break and jacked by four people in front of the Island Cove gunpoint, car taken and everything. There's a lot of concerns on this island while you guys are building and forgetting about the people that are there. 
I don't want to be subject to live on top of somebody, on bottom of somebody, when I've been living peacefully for 20-some years on the island. My daddy was the boiler plant operator in the Navy on Avenue H on Treasure Island. I've been coming to Treasure Island since I was five years old. So I know and seen everything. I have also a cancer survivor from living on Treasure Island. I was just diagnosed with cancer months ago. I just went through five weeks of radiation and chemotherapy. I'm cancer free, thank God. But that's also an issue too on the island with all the digging up and everything that's going on. Where's the real concern for the people that are there? Thank you. Thank you. Jeff Klein again. I'm going to cut to the chase. Uh, talking about displacing people um, from a project area uh, in a project that received federal financial assistance in the form of an EDC MOA where they sold the uh, tie to get to buy 509 acres for 105 million for a property the Navy valued at a billion dollars. So. Federal and state relocation law applies, and, and the federal and the state law uh, court cases that rule is Garcia versus Anthony, where they ruled it doesn't matter when you came into a project area, post-acquisition, pre-acquisition, none of that matters. You're still entitled to last resort housing. They did a last resort housing study for Chinatown subway, rented empty units in Chinatown just in case they displaced anybody. So here's the section of the California Code, Government Code, section 7264.5. And this is all about relocation into comparable permanent replacement housing if you're low income and cannot find comparable replacement housing in the local market, which you cannot at these prices. You can't find local housing in the local market in these prices, so you are responsible as a displacing agency, Bob Beck, tied as responsible to pay for permanent comparable replacement housing. There's eight points of comparability. You talked about some of them. There's no sheds, there's no storage, there's no, no, no this, no that. We're already paying $440 of our rent goes to utilities and, we can't, and they don't even keep the power on. We've been paying the net profits of our rent has been and, and the commercial businesses their rents have been paying your budget for the last 25 years, comprised 75% of your budget. You've been paying the upfront costs for the developers. Where is what we are entitled to? Where are we going to get what we're entitled to? Thank you. Thank you. Um, honestly, I do appreciate your work because I know it's not easy. And I've watched this now for some time. There, there have been some malpractice, some political malpractice. And as a result, trust is broken. The power, the toll, the engagement process has been forced and one-sided. And we know that. We know we're going through the motions here. My place up on Yerba Buena has been vacant for five years and there's nothing there. I just want you to know, fool me once. You're not going to fool me again. I'm going to bend everything I have, every resource that I have, if your ducks are not in a row. But I do encourage you to engage the community because we get together and we will work with you and we will find a way because we know there are trade-offs. 
Thank you. I want it. I want it. <laughs> Hello again. Again, my name is Carol Harvey. Hi, everybody. I have been videoing these TIDA board meetings since 2014, and I've been to a lot of them on the island. I'm hearing the same things over and over again. I have written articles about the issue that Jeff Klein brought up in 2014. I want to bring to your attention the fact that it appears you're not listening. You can go to my paper, the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper and read an article I wrote about this very thing in 2014. Please do that and remind yourselves, it's as if you don't hear people. And if you want to be respectful to this community, you can really listen to them. Thank you very much. Hi there. Um, as you've heard from a lot of folks here, there's a lot of concern about it not being comparable housing. Starview Court, as you outlined, is going to be um, moving in a bunch of folks from Catholic Charities, um, a bunch of units there. At the same time, we're going to be offering folks the ability to move in or choose to leave the island, take your cash payout, and never see what the long-term goal would be with the uh, housing that you were initially promised pre-DDA. And so why isn't there some option for current housing stock that's going to be vacated by Catholic Charities? There's two different buildings on my street. I live in Villages Properties. There's two there Catholic Charities. Why couldn't those be made available to folks as an option to stay on the island, have their um, patio, have their same bedrooms, have their same bathrooms, have their washer, and have their parking in a place that's going to be vacant, that's not going to be used, that's not going to be torn down until 2030. Why do they have to move to an affordable housing unit that they're not interested in as a temporary solution? Okay, are there any others? I'm Steve Stallone with the uh, Treasure Island Organizing Committee. Um, I guess the main thing I want to talk about is the lack of communication in this process of the transitional housing. Um, the process is complicated, as Mr. Beck acknowledged, um, and, and obscure, hard to understand. I really would like to give everybody a test on the uh, presentation that went on here today and see if anybody can answer questions about it. Um, that's, um, it, the communication has not been really good. People on the island don't understand 
what their options are, what the rules are, what's going on here. That's been a total lack of, of communication. I know that <laughs> this is not new stuff. This, the fact that people don't understand it. Um, back at the town hall we had with uh, Matt Dorsey when he first became supervisor uh, in July, of 20, uh, July 25th of 2022, um, people, uh, residents here really made a point of uh, trying to get information so they understood what their options are. To this date, I, people still don't know what's going on. I know it's situation is crazy when people start calling me and asking me for what's going on, what's happening, and what their options are. A um, couple of possible solutions. Well, yeah. Let me just put it this way: uh, it was, this has to be communicated better so that people understand what what they have as options. I know you people deal with this all the time, and you're so steeped in it that it, 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 the fact that it's not getting across to other people goes right by you. I will f well, finish up here and just, I, what I'm gonna suggest is that Titan needs to hold regular quarterly meetings on the island and it, it, not in the middle of the day when people are working. Um, and when we get regular updates and have Q and A sessions and people find out what's happening and find out what's going on, um, yeah. Thank you. Okay. So Any other in-person public comment? Hearing none um, on the phone. Good afternoon. Hope Williams, Bert. Um, I'm going to echo what Steve just said in that the need of transparency. There continues to be discrepancy and, and complications doesn't even speak to it. Um, the fact that majority of the, the children that moved in in 2011 are now adults, like for example, my daughter is um, 20 now and should be entitled to her own apartment as an independent household and she doesn't have the opportunity. We're, we as a city are trying to prevent chronic um, homelessness but this development continues to push that. We're pushing, we're asking for you as a board to not allow in lieu um, payments to go forth without making, without a solid date. So if we are asked to move, we have significant amount of time, not a year, to make a decision between if we're gonna accept an apartment that we don't even know about and whether we're going or um, a year in advance versus a lot of developments, they do 120 days. You get to decide whether you want to stay or you want to come back. It's just promoting chronic homelessness. You're not accounting for the, the number of children that have grown. So the in lieu payment doesn't account for any of the children that were born after uh, 20, uh, 2014. So example, I just had two babies. My in lieu, if I was to take an in lieu payment, it would not even account for my children. And my daughter wouldn't, my daughter be in a separate household. We continue to just have this like setup of chronic homelessness. This, this establishment was um, 
made to prevent um, women and, and those in need from being homeless. This was a homeless initiative. That's what Treasure Island numbers of families were there. I was placed there to prevent chronic homelessness, but you're continuing to promote that. I'm also pushing that we do re return the meetings back to the island. The fact that Thank you continue, you. you're having these meetings and people aren't able to come. We need. Thank you um, for your comment. Are there any other people on the phone? There's no more public comment. Okay, thank you. Um, we, we are going to have meetings on the island. It's been three years where we haven't even been able to meet in person here, but certainly we did that before and we're going to continue that practice. Um, and I think on the housing issues, um, we certainly have had workshops, flyers, one-to-one -one conversations. Um, and, but we want to hear, you know, if there are issues, I'm glad that there's a forum for that. And, and we are listening to what um, the, your comments are. Um, but I will open it up to the board, um, Ms. Richardson. Yes, thank you, um, Valbeck, for your presentation. And I think it's very important that throughout the processes that we continue to have this item on the calendar because there are people here for the last few years I haven't even seen and they are now coming and there are a lot of people that are not here. I have a series of um, questions for you, uh, Mr. Beck, and in the document there was a reference to no obligation on the state and federal law for relocation services and the way that we understand that, and for the public, because this is an important item that the public must digest and understand, and we can call for even clarification. No residents of Treasure Island was displaced prior to the DDA. That's what that statement means. When we went embarking on the development of the island. The part of the matter is the goodwill of the people of San Francisco, the mayor, board of supervisors, grandfathered their residents on the island before the DDA. So this, this is a kind of a service, a goodwill to those residents. Also, Post-DDA residents are also San Francisco residents. The former Board of San Francisco resident, you know, Board President Mayor Breed actually authored the legislation. I worked on that legislation, which says post-source building. If you live in an area, it does not even have to be a treasure island. You could live at Soma, Bayview, or wherever. If something is being built in your community, you are also, that's why she championed that red legislation. It's a landmark legislation. And that legislation does apply for the resident of City Island and yours truly and my colleagues here, we are guiding that. With regards to the transition rules and regulation, this document doesn't say that since 2011. We have spent millions of dollars on this. And I'm going to, at some point, 
We are going to break it down because, again, it is going to be a contentious issue that how we've, we've handled that. So millions of dollars where we have paid for outreach. Go talk to the residents. At some point, I'd even ask. I wanted to see what kinds of outreach, you know, in my line of life. I do a lot of community outreach and engagements. What kind of outreach have you conducted? When did you conduct that? If you send a letter and you don't get a reply, what are you going to do there? All of these, again, are going to be revisited. I'm sure of that in some you know, forums. It has to be so that all of us are on the same page here. If we are spending all this amount of money and residents are coming here and they have not known and they are confused and the information is not right, and so we're going to have to look at that. And every now and then, we read in the newspaper and we are back to City Hall and I want to tackle this right away. We get this information that residents are being gentrified. They're just being wholesale. That's very sensitive to me and all the people that are here. And so at some point, and I know we have not gotten any report because we will have challenged that, that residents are being displaced or being gentrified. And so I am going to be asking at some point for One Treasure Island, Mercy, Housing, Catholic Charities to come before tighter, and we pose specific uh, questions. And they are going to have to say that in the public. And having the mentioned, therefore mentioned, Treasure Island is a new community altogether. And I wish we could have comparable housing into everything, people that used to live at five bedroom. But if you look at the history of San Francisco, with their housing, which is also the model that we are taking about, San Francisco Housing Authority, and some of those are well documented. We are following those same guidelines. Next time we have any kind of housing, Mr. Beck, please have the city attorney here also, because they need to explain specifically what the state and the federal laws with regards to you know, relocation and so that's so that people, everything that we say here needs to be qualified. And so the resident can ask questions, uh, wherever we are going with this. What I would like to see, um, I'm looking at your chart here, the Starview Court. We have 23 units dedicated. What I would like to see moving forward is actually have a separate item a timeline or whatever, for us to be able to track the legacy residents who are being, where are they, their timeline? I think we talked about that last, last year sometimes, Mr. Beck, and we can really refine that. Basically, to list who are this household? Where are they now? When are we providing them? What are the opportunities? And, and I just don't want a year or two or whatever. Let's just have the projection. So if I'm a resident at Treasure Island and I'm a legacy of unit, I should be able to say, well, within the next five years, my, the probability for me getting into housing is this. It helps them. It helps every one of us to be able to do the projection for them. And I think that's what we need to do. Let's put everything and help to translate that. It is true. 
when people are hearing the presentation for a long time, they're not able to grasp everything that us here have been reading for decades. And that's why we're trying to streamline the process, having the stakeholders come by. They can ask them questions, put them on the line. And so we all can be on the same page. And so I'm going to ask that. And what I mean in that timeline, the kind of information that we need, I can help to include some information so that it could be available to all the residents and they will know so that they can plan their families and themselves. I think this is where we are right now. So thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Howard, please. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you. Um, all the public comments are really um, informative. And as a new member of the board, I'm learning a lot here today. So thanks for um, informing me. Um, Bob, this was a dizzying array of information coming out of this. Um, your document, and I have a couple of questions for you, and I'm interested in um, this transition plan. So it seems so the one Treasure Island, 260 units of housing, will. I'm not seeing how, how that's reflected in the the um, the timeline or the units on the relocation opportunities. So that's one question. I don't know. If you want to answer as we go along? Yeah. So the the. The 260 uh, replacement units for the One Treasure Island households will be provided in those first five developments. So the first building, Maceo May Apartments, was constructed in, in partnership with Swords to Plowshares. And Swords to Plowshares has historically operated 36 units on the island. So the residents of those 36 units will be move, are in the process of moving into Maceo May Apartments. The second building will be in partnership with Catholic Charities, who currently occupy 71 units on the island. And they will be, all of those 71 households will be moving into the Starview Court building. The third building is in partnership with um, HealthRight 360 um, and the Department of Public Health. HealthRight 360 doesn't uh, provide permanent supportive housing. They provide uh, transitional housing for people coming uh, out of uh, uh, residential uh, treatment programs. And so it's, it is temporary housing. So this is more programmatic space than conventional units, but that third building will transition all of their current programs into that third building. And then the fourth building and the fifth building, um, we intend to, to provide the um, home rise currently uh, occupies 114 units on the island. So rather than moving all of those into one location, uh, they'll be uh, roughly half of them will each be moved into each of the, the fourth and fifth buildings. Um, so each of the buildings is providing, each of the first five buildings are providing uh, replacement housing for our four uh, one Treasure Island member agencies, as well as uh, uh, some of them are providing transition unit opportunities for the market rate residents as well. And so, I mean, it, it sounds like then the, the confusion on this transition plan is around the legacy households. Is that what we're mostly talking about in that the, the one Treasure Island kind of transition plan has been well established, well communicated, and maybe it's, I mean, I'm just wondering if that translation from 
if one treasure island has been able to communicate their transition plan well, that it seems like maybe this other component of the transition with the legacy housing has been less well communicated and is there a way to? Well, it, it's, it's not so much that they haven't, but it hasn't, there's been a difference in communication. Um, the One Treasure Island program is very straightforward. There are, the, it, a, a replacement housing unit will be provided for all of the current households, regardless of when they move to the island. Um, these are affordable housing housing providers. They're in the business that that is their purpose is to provide housing to these households, and so there's a one for one replacement housing that's being provided regardless of when someone became a Catholic Charities resident. So it's it's there's it's it's very straightforward. Whereas um, the one Treasure Island benefit, I'm sorry, the, the, the benefits that are available to the market rate residents, they were established and limited to the people that were living in the housing at the time. So, you know, if someone added as a roommate in 2014, they don't necessarily inherit this opportunity for a transition benefit that was established in 2011. So, um, so there, there's the, the first aspect of the, the village's uh, program that's more complex is there are those that are entitled to the benefits and those that aren't entitled to the benefits. Um, and then also uh, there are options in terms of um, a, a household that was here prior to 2011 uh, could pr potentially uh, receive a transition unit if they meet the income qualification requirements, they could uh, elect to, to occupy an affordable unit rather than a market rate transition unit. Um, or they, they also have the option of a cash payment if they, if they choose not to take the transition unit. So it's, it's just a much more multifaceted uh, 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 dis decision. Yeah, for, I got you. I mean, I hear yeah. you. And, um, yeah, so I'm just, I was just trying to get my head around all these numbers. So it's 321 legacy that could be transitioned, and there's those different options. And then just, I agree with Linda kind of laying out. I mean, if there's 321 resident, I don't know what that translates to households because there's a different analysis unit there. But thinking about then, there's only 33 transition units listed on this next five-year timeline. So thinking about what would be, I think that would be a nice... Um, like as Linda suggested, like laying out when are those transition units potentially coming on board and, and figuring that out. And then also thinking about the outreach or um, not sure who's handling that, but um, it's interested in, in hearing more about right. that. And well, there, there is an item after this. Oh, great. Being, and it's ARWS, which has been right. actually working on the communications, have been doing the workshops and the outreach. Great. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Thank okay. Um, yes, Ms. Preston. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the outreach. I'm concerned about the timeline. I'm concerned about the follow-up because I'm hearing the residents and I can understand the frustration. Um, Bob, did I hear you say a youth building is coming online? Or did I mishear you? I, um, I 
I, I said a senior building. Is a senior here. building. Okay, yeah, so we uh, don't have any youth buildings lined up outside of uh, nothing. Re res resident residential buildings, or even with the health right 360, will they have a youth component? No, the health right 360 programs I think are are for adults. So okay, they're, right. they're transitional housing programs. Okay, so the caller but, made a good. But the the Catholic Charities Building, um, and uh, the fourth and fifth buildings are are going to be more. The, the Catholic Charities those are uh, meant to be family units, fam, uh, okay. not not as opposed to the seniors, which are mostly studios and one bedrooms. Um, the Catholic Charities Building has has a range of twos and threes and fours, much like our our current housing stock does. Okay. Are any of the buildings going to be mixed residential, seniors, families, studios? Um, yeah, uh, many of them will will be mixed. The the one that is slated to be specifically for seniors, um, we're pursuing a funding source that is specifically for the development of senior housing. And so, um, if we're successful in securing that funding, then that will, that building would be. It would be exclusively uh, studios and one bedrooms, and it would be deed restricted to senior residents. But um, other buildings will have a mix of uh, studios through four bedrooms. Okay, so it's up to four bedrooms. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my next question is benefit eligible and post vested eligible. Now, the post vested is eligible to apply for the MOCHD Dahlia lottery, correct? Um, a, a, a vested resident um, will can apply for the Dahlia Lottery, okay. and the, the, they would have a Treasure Island preference. A post-vested resident can also apply for the Dahlia Lottery, but they would only have a, a, a District 6 neighborhood preference. Okay, so. so then that brings me to benefit eligible. Would the benefit eligible have the same opportunity to apply for the lottery at the same time as the vested? Um, so the, a benefit eligible is someone who has uh, a, a relationship to a legacy resident. Um, so uh, they would presumably be applying along with the legacy resident, you know, their spouse or, or parent. Uh, well, that, that. so then it brings me to our caller because they made a valid point that her daughter is now eligible to apply for her own housing. Now, in this situation, she's not a legacy resident. No, her, her, her adult child would mm -hmm. have been here in 2011. So her adult child would have been a, a legacy, would have, would have been a member of the household in 2011. Okay, so when it comes to the adult children who are legacy, are they able to apply for the Dahlia with the, the same preference as the Vested? And if not, why not? They, they can apply for the same preference as the Vested. So yes. they get the Treasure Island preference? Yes. The benefit eligible? Uh, well, again, that adult child is actually a legacy resident. They're not a benefit eligible individual. Benefit eligible individual would be someone who joined the household after 2011. So a child that would be born after 2011 Mm -hmm. or someone who married a legacy resident after 2011. 
So then, if it was a one Treasure Island resident, would they and they were legacy, they would be able to apply for the Dahlia with the, the Treasure Island preference. The Treasure Island preference is is specific to the villages. Um, uh, a adult child of a uh, uh, one Treasure Island household would have a the District Six na neighborhood Dahlia. preference. Okay. And I understand the difference, but it really comes back to what the caller brought up is that the opportunity, the same opportunity isn't being presented when it can be accessed. So we have a good number of residents on the island between 18 and 24, 18 and 26. Some are returning from college, several work on the island. I believe that they should have the same opportunity to apply for that housing list as the vested residents. And again, I'm bringing this up again, how do we go about this? Because I feel like that's a whole part of our community that has been left out and could be potentially displaced. How do we avoid that? How do we work that out? Because when, it, when I think about what the caller said, and understandably, her situation is different. Her circumstances are different. But this is going to come up again. And when I listen to my fellow residents and how they speak about the outreach, how they're receiving the information, and how it's being followed up, and how confusing everything can be, you know, when it's not specified and specific, how do we... How do we change that? Because these are questions that are coming up after the community meetings or when the community meetings are missed or when, you know, people are unsure. Yeah, and any changes that we would make to the One Treasure Island transition plan, um, we'd need to consult with Mo um, and, you know, we'd need to, uh, you know, if there's support for, uh, a modification of the One Treasure Island transition plan, that would need to, to we'd need to make sure that that worked with, you know, the, the other stakeholders, Mo and, and the mayor's yeah. office, but um, yeah. I think it's a request that's worthy to be made to see, at to at least be, you know, visited because um, as a resident, I received a letter a couple of weeks ago and like you said, the One Treasure Island program is pretty straightforward, but even that, it was still confusing and we're still talking 2026 when everything is final and complete. And like I said, listening to the frustrations today, it would just, you know, um, um, the outreach needs to be more organized. The follow-up needs to be more definite and you know, the questions, I don't know how we can get them, narrow them down to the most specific, the most important, the most relative, but we have to do something about it relatively soon because it's creating a vibe, a really chaotic feeling. Okay. Well, well, I think that the next item on the agenda, when we get there, we can address some of these questions to the team that has been working with us in communication. And um, so I think that would be more appropriately addressed and perhaps they can, they can respond to that as well. Um, Ms. Smith, okay. So would you like to say something, Ms. Singh? Yes. 
I was just going to echo what the fellow commissioners may, um, commented in saying that it is very confusing, and I think if we can have a presentation of what residents are seeing. When I was at Mercy and we had meetings with Catholic, Catholic Charities residents, we walked through quite a bit some of this stuff, but that may not be the same communication others are getting. And I think it really, we really need to have a uniform communication that goes through. And so I would like to see how vested resident, post-vested, and legacy residents, how what their opportunities are and how, basically if I was one of them, how they would access opportunities and what information they're getting. Thank you. Uh, so we're, uh, I think that we've had the comments from the directors, and um, we will go then to the next item on the agenda. Item number eight, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a professional services agreement between the Treasure Island Development Authority and Associated Right-of-Way Services to provide advisory and consulting services for implementation of the transitioning housing rules and regulations for the villages at Treasure Island. Okay. So, and who's, uh, Bob, so, presenting this item? Um, so, I'll say a few words, and then I'll ask Karen Edelman, uh, who's the project manager with ARWS, to, to comment. So, um, for the last five years, we've been working with ARWS to provide outreach and advisory services uh, to current residents. Um, there have been a number of events, particularly between 2017 and 2020, we had uh, town hall type drop-in sessions where people could come and get questions answered. Uh, in 2018, um, the uh, Associated Rideway Services um, conducted an in-person in uh, interview with each household. Um, to make sure that they gathered basic information about the household, verified who was in the household, um, and all of that culminated with uh, a, a preliminary notice of eligibility that described to the household what their status was and what their uh, uh, future transition unit options would be. And this was, again, just for the, the legacy households, for those households that would be eventually entitled to a transition unit. Um, uh, there we've over the years they've done door hangers as mailers, emails, um, a variety of communication and outreach tools, um, and Karen will describe some of that. Um, but uh, last fall we uh, put these services back out for proposal. Um, uh, ARWS was the the sole firm submitting a response to to our RFQ. Um, and uh, we are recommending uh, awarding a, a contract uh, to ARWS uh, to continue these services going forward, um, but wanted to provide an opportunity for Karen to describe some of the work that they've done to date and uh, the focus of uh, uh, services over the next uh, 18 to 24 months. Uh, with that, uh, Karen Edelman. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, directors. It's um, really nice to be back in person again. I know that we've um, presented to you during uh, since 19, uh, since 2020 and kind of tried to keep you up to date on how things shifted in our outreach. Um, so I do want to spend a little time today. The, the presentation really isn't focused on um, each bit of the specific outreach, so I'll try and um, address some of the thoughts today that um, or questions you all have just so we can um, kind of give you a bigger picture. But, 
So um, I just wanted to help you understand uh, where we've been to date. So we came on board um, in 2017 um, and then in 2018 with a five-year contract to work with the Treasure Island Development Authority basically to help take um, the THRNRs and understand them and communicate them with the legacy households um, and help them understand the overall program. Um, and then in 2019, that shifted to include um, more of the vested households, so people that were come, came a little bit later to the island. Um, and so we just want to kind of explain that a little bit. But our team now consists of, um, as we have proposed, is us, ARWS, serving as your TI advisors, your Treasure Island advisors. We heard the um, board years ago when you said, People need to be able to access you and get more information. And so we uh, provided a simple email address, phone number that will access the TI advisor so we can respond quickly to people's questions or if they want to file claims, um, et cetera. And we've expanded our team. Um, well, let me say one of our uh, older team members is Interethnica. It is a local small business that works to communicate um, with communities and um, they do outreach in various languages and provide all our translation and interpretation and services. And we've expanded now to include YCAT, which is another local small business that um, is there to help with community outreach, some administrative support um, as we proceed. And then Copy Circle, another local small business. Uh, we take our goals for um, utilizing local small business very seriously. Wanted to talk for a moment about um, our capabilities and experience. Our firm, ARWS, um, has well over 30 years of experience. I personally have more than 30 years of experience doing relocation assistance for public projects. Our goal is um, we've always worked closely with um, households and with business owners um, as they're being impacted by projects. So that really is our expertise in planning and implementing projects. Um, in the last five years, um, we've worked strongly with uh, the Treasure Island Development Authority so that we can help um, communicate the program under the THRNRs with the households on the island, again, specifically focusing on the legacy and then the vested. Um, we have a rather diverse team. We're really excited um, to continue working with Interethnica and adding the others to our team so we can um, improve our outreach in any way we can. Uh, we believe that our work is really focused on communicating the THRNRs um, and en engaging them in a clear way and um, then being available for follow-up so that we can understand what people's concerns are. And um, one of the things that we've pivoted to, um, I guess I could explain it this way. In 2018, um, as Director Beck mentioned, we sat down, we invited each household to sit down with us and help them understand what options were available. And we understood who they were and um, just started working together. Uh, and then we provided them a preliminary notice of eligibility so they understood what we understood. This is what we think is gonna happen as we move forward. Um, we had a lot of community engagement events um, we had open houses, we talked about uh, first-time home buyer programs um, and the path forward. Uh, so that was really exciting. And then, of course, uh, 2019, very end of 2019, we opened up to, to the vested households, so some of the newer households on the island. Got them some preliminary notices of eligibility so they had information in hand. Um, and then there was the pandemic. And so we kind of shut things down. We pivoted and, and developed an online portal. We went to virtual meetings and um, we worked with Mo and their uh, support teams to offer 
um, first-time homebuyer programs and education. Um, we continue with Zoom meetings and phone meetings, um, email um, correspondence with the households on the island. So um, I wanted to talk to you about the households on the island. I won't spend much time on this because I think um, Director Beck already did this, talking about what a legacy household is, what a vested household is, and then a post-vested are some of the newest members of the community. Uh, again, our focus really has been to communicate with the legacy and vested households. And uh, this is just a chart talking about the households. Again, we have 157 legacy households um, and 138 vested households. Sometimes the numbers get confusing because that's the household number count and then there's the individual resident count. So one of the things that we thought was uh, really important was to provide um, a way of boiling down the information in clear graphics and communication. We've created many flyers, um, information sheets uh, that we make available to the households either at the community meetings or via email or uh, via our portal. Um, so we've developed program timelines and strategized with staff and providers on how best to help implement the program. We've worked with CAG members and uh, to refine the messaging and the communications. We've documented um, the THR and our policies and procedures, um, IIPs, which um, a lot of the IIPs came out of the conversations we've had with uh, the households. So just listening to feedback, coming back and talking to the team and saying, we understand what the THR and ours are. Is there a way um, that we can clarify um, some of our responses? So that doesn't look very clear to me. Um, I just want to talk about some of the community engagement tools that we have. Um, and some of the things we've done, we've had community outreaches um, in, in multiple languages. We've conducted the um, ranking for um, uh, legacy household transition units. We've created the, uh, we worked with Mo. They were tremendous in helping us with um, creating the uh, TIR, Treasure Island Resident certificate preference um, for both uh, legacy and vested households. And then once that was completed, we sent letters to every household helping them understand what that was and how they could take advantage of it and um, asking them to contact us so we can explain it even further. So um, that was accomplished even during, um, since 2020. And um, really promoting first-time homebuyer workshops, we, it's really important to us that if people can take advantage of that, it's a great opportunity. Um, working with them on that. Um, one of the things that the board chose to provide as an advanced benefit was the early in-lieu payment. And um, since um, that was approved, we've been working with households or individual residents who are interested in taking the early in-lieu payment. And um, I don't need to go through each one of these, but we've uh, really just tried to support our communications uh, with the households um, and the island, again, to the legacy invested. Early on here are some of the documents that we created um, and that we continue to update. Transition housing timelines that people can understand um, how and when they might be impacted. Things have changed a little bit, but um, this is information that we passed out. We also had some frequently asked questions. Most recently, I would say in the last six months, we've been working very uh, diligently with the uh, staff to help create some more uh, responses to frequently asked questions that we're gonna put on the website. Um, again, because people do have individual questions. 
We also um, just spend a lot of time working in community meetings to help people understand their, op their opportunities, passed out cards so people can understand how to get a hold of us. Um, we had both group and individual engagement, um, especially pre-pandemic, but then after uh, the pandem pandemic, we had group meetings, but we also were available for one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, via Zoom and uh, by call and even in person when requested. Um, so this is the preliminary notice of eligibility that we've talked about in the past. Uh, for the legacy households, um, it really goes into detail about the opportunities that are available. Um, we were able to uh, attend some on-island events even after the pandemic started. Um, homeowner outreach and education was really important to us. Again, we used every tool available, including the portal, which is a communications tool where every island member has an ability, uh, sorry, every legacy and resident and legacy invested resident has an opportunity to have access to a portal where every document we've ever given them lives. So from their phone, they can access that and see everything that we've ever given them, um, which we think is really helpful. Um, we've also, as Bob said, we've done door hangers and um, mailers, lots of mailers, um, emails, um, really any way we know how to, to reach out to the community. It's more on the home buyer education, more door hangers and uh, flyers to encourage that. We also had banners at the local market um, that really directed people like, we want your attention. If you think you might want to buy a home, contact us. Um, early in the loop payment, so to date, let me flip that page. We've had 67 um, residents who are, have filed for an early in-lieu payment, and um, we've paid out over $699,000 um, for those legacy households who have chosen that option. Um, in 2019, we expanded the benefit package to the uh, vested households, and so we provided them with information. Um, as soon as that was available, we expanded our portal so that they also had access um, to the information that was available and to their TI advisor, um, just encouraging them to talk to us um, about the opportunities. Uh, the virtual engagement, this is just some information that um, regarding the portal that we use to communicate um, information and, and store information for the households. We've also been very um, involved in pre-marketing notices for new developments that have come on the island. Um, Again, same group of format, uh, virtual, I mean, uh, information that's available, email, on paper, door hangers. Um, I don't know why this is a little bit different, but uh, it doesn't come out too clearly. So this is... Um, So I'll keep talking. So, what, so one of the things that's really important to us is to make sure the residents are aware of the housing that's available um, and their opportunities. So for example, when um, the Russell became available and we knew we had um, both market rate and affordable unit, below market rate units there, um, we really tried to gear up, gear up early to fill those units, get people in the pipeline for um, first-time homebuyer programs, help them understand the down payment assistance that was available. Um, through the program, which is really exciting. And um, so we've expanded that because of your direction. In 2019, we expanded that to include the vested households, so they are getting the information as well. Again, paper, electronic, door hangers, um, whatever it takes to get the information out. 
That's all right. So um, just because we're talking about it, so the Bristol um, at, on YBI, we were able to help three households purchase um, below market rate uh, condominiums, and that's really exciting. And the down payment assistance that was provided was uh, $43,113. So one of the other uh, big things that we've done in, in the last year is to develop the um, Treasure Island Resident Preference Number uh, Certificate. We've talked about that. It is available to every um, legacy invested resident. And um, they, we sent out letters to everybody. We helped them understand what it was. We invited them to the online uh, lottery that Mo had on that. Um, we also then sent letters to each legacy invested household to let them know what their TIR preference certificate number was and encourage them to contact us if they had any questions at all. Um, so we wanted to help them understand that that can be used on the island for affordable and below market rate housing. Looking forward, um, we have a lot to do. Um, as been, has been discussed here, it's a complicated program um, and it's really important to us that people do have a chance to understand it. But as you can imagine, there's a lot of variables. And so what we're trying to do is make sure the information is clear to begin with and that we present it to the households. And when those households want to have a conversation about it, we can sit down with them and say, let me understand your situation. Let me help you understand. Let me help filter through all our uh, THR and our understanding how this program can help you. Um, so that really is our goal. Um, to this point, the folks that have really reached out to us are the people that um, have filed for in-lieu payments, uh, the three owners that have reached out for the below market rate housing um, on YBI. And those and other folks are really interested in becoming um, first-time home buyers. So that's really been a lot of the focus. We absolutely know that as we proceed and we offer the first 23 transition units in Starview Court, there's gonna be a lot of questions. And so what we really want to do, as Director Beck has mentioned, is to invite um, folks to sit down with us and help us understand their concerns and thoughts and, um, and us to provide them the opportunities that are available to them. So that really is our goal moving forward. And at the same time, providing information to the greater um, legacy and vested community to say, let us tell you about Starview Court. Let us show you what it looks like when we develop new housing. This is really exciting. And then we're gonna ask for volunteers. As Bob mentioned, one of our goals is we could have people say, I am ready to go. And um, I'm interested in that housing. That's fantastic. That would be wonderful. Um, if we have any units left after that, we're gonna spend a lot of time trying to talk to people about their transition unit offer. And then we're, we have 23 units. And then we're also gonna talk to people um, about using their TIR preference to get into the affordable housing units as well. Um, and how we can just really help facilitate that to make that happen, um, which would be really exciting for us. So let me catch up on my slides here. Um, so this is the information we have um, about Starview Court. Again, we're really excited. We have 23 units. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, we have 23 transition units and 43 affordable housing units. Um, and Bob covered this. So I'm not going to spend too much time, but here's some future um, developments that are coming down the road in the next couple of years. And this is a slide I really want to get to because I want to talk to you about it in perspective. <laughs> Sometimes a lot of slides and numbers get confusing. Um, 
what we have is 157 households that are legacy households. And we have 137 uh, vested households um, with quite a few residents in them, 392 residents. And the transition units that we have available over the next few years is we have 23 available units in Starview Court. And then we'll have about 10 units available in 2026 that are senior housing. So right now, what are we talking about in the near future? The 26 units of a traditional um, transition units. And then also engaging the community and saying, look at these opportunities that are available coming down the road. We have 43 affordable housing units um, coming up in Starview, as we've talked about. Um, we have 39 um, units coming up as inclusionary housing in market rate developments. We would love to see our people take an opportunity to utilize those dwellings. Then we have an, an additional 19 inclusionary units coming up for sale. And it's really important to us to have communications with people and say, this could be you. What opportunities are available to you? And so that's a lot of what we're going to be focusing on in the coming months and coming years if you um, choose to have us move forward with you as your Treasure Island advisors. And um, so that was a lot of information and not um, a lot of detail on the market, uh, the documents we've given, but I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Um, thank you. Uh, a lot of information today on this topic, and it's an important topic, um, but um, I, I'm going to open it um, actually to the directors first so that we can um, get your answers to their questions, and then we'll open it up to the public as Thank well. Um, but I'd like to start off um, asking you, um, it seems to me, and I know that you have had efforts, and my understanding actually before the pandemic was that you were successful in reaching almost 100% of the legacy households um, in having discussions with them. Um, am I correct in that? It was almost 100%. Um, I don't have that number with, we've made, we've reached out to every legacy household multiple times. Um, I don't have that number today of how many have actually responded to that invitation. Mm -hmm. um, I can get that for you. Right, but, um, and you've had um, many convenings, um, workshops, um, you've put out flyers, you have an online portal where people can um, send their documents so that it's in one place. Um, you've had it translated into multiple languages. Um, so you've done an outreach effort which has been quite considerable both to the legacy and the vested um, residents uh, or households. Correct. Um, what accounts then for people saying that they haven't heard or they don't know or they can't understand the programs, as you've heard today, the, the, te the, the, the testimony that has been here? Well, I certainly can't speak for the households. I can speak from our point of view. I think that um, in, in some cases, it's possible that the amount of information we have right now is not what they're looking for, right? There are many people that probably want, I want to know exactly when and which unit, and that's what I want to know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very possible. We just don't have that information um, today more than what's been presented 
right. here. And, and we don't have that information because the units actually have not yet been completed as well. But we know how many units for the first, like for instance, uh, in, in Starview Court, which is the next family housing project that is coming up, there's 23 units there. Correct, um, and so, do, I'm yeah. sorry. And do we know the unit cap, like the bedroom sizes of those 23 units? Do we have that information? Yes, so, so I think that we can certainly try to match up the households that are interested in it. And then I, I understand some people, I think somebody mentioned it, they, they don't want to be in the housing which is together with affordable units. Well, I think you know the idea was really that these housing developments are to be mixed, mixed income, um, mixed type of units, and that's what we're building in that housing. If they want market rate housing, they can actually apply to the market rate housing if, that's, if they don't want to be in a building which actually has a mix of incomes. Um, that's their prerogative, but, um, uh, but it wouldn't be under the same uh, benefits which we are offering to those that are legacy um, households. Because right now, um, their rents that they're paying now for the existing housing, they're going to get a brand new apartment for those rents that have been rent controlled for a, a, a long period of time. So I can understand financially what that benefit is. Um, but um, uh, I, I think that it is important for us to continue our outreach um, and to to try to, on a one-to-one basis, you know, talk to the households, you know, try to figure out what it is that um, is a problem for them. And sometimes we won't be able to solve that problem, but at least we will get the information out to them. Yeah. So I um, would like to open it up to my fellow directors. Um, Ms. Breston, yes. Um, so after, let's see. What I would like to know is the resource center, where is it located? So that resource center was closed um, before COVID. We just weren't getting enough people stopping by to visit. And so instead we offered to meet people in their homes or by phone or at the local restaurants. Um, mm -hmm. So the resource center was a place that we were meeting with people originally and had uh, some of the posters that we had up like timelines and housing information. So that's kind of what we had originally and then it shifted, so now we present that information in person or um, via email or on the portal. So now that we're over COVID, well, 2020, um, is it possible that the resource center can be reopened on the island? It's certainly, if that's the direction. Um, so, hmm. so, because I do this, sometimes you have a resource center and nobody comes and you feel like you're burning resources and not providing much help. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we've talked about is what's more responsive. If you call me and say, Karen, I want to meet you, meet me for a cup of coffee or meet me at my home, um, that's fewer resources for Tida and more one-on-one -on -one when it meets your time frame, evening, weekend, whatever works for you so that we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So could we have a resource center? Yeah, if that's the direction that you all have that you think that's yeah. the best use of, of time and money, we're on board, we're happy to do that. 
I'm thinking about how it may translate to the residents, especially the ones that we heard here today, and it would probably behoove everybody to have something central on the island that they can access, and maybe even on the weekend at the oddest hours when we're coming home from work, you know, when we're dropping the kids off at the after-school program. The in-betweens, it might help to have the center actually there on the island, accessible, where people feel, you know, where they may have forgotten to give, you know, call you that day. They're driving by, they see you open, they'll make time to stop. Um, do you have a number, the number of the individual households you've already met with? Oh, I don't have that with me today, no. I can get that to you. Do you have the number of the open house events that you've had and the number of people who en have engaged? We can certainly pull that together for you. As far as your virtual events and uh, community events for the first time, I would like to see those numbers. Also, I've heard in the past that the portal has actually been really hard for people to access. Has that changed? Did you, was the construction under website? Have you heard that? So from? I haven't heard that when somebody has an issue with it, they call their, the TI advisor and they walk them through. Usually it's a password issue. Okay. It, you know, like what I do constantly, I forgot my password, mm -hmm. help me reinstate my password. Oh. So if, if there's something more than that I'd like to hear, like if once they're in there they can't use it? I think it, um, a couple of, I've heard the password, but also navigating it, and maybe it's just the way that the person is receiving the information. Have your advisors actually, you know, helped someone navigate the portal? We actually do that a lot. Yeah, we walk through like, okay, now, you know, this is what you do next, and this is what you do next. Okay. And I think that's probably where a resource center would come in good for, you know, them to have, you know, sit down with somebody and feel confident when they go home. Um, my last question is what is the process if after the initial contact? And what's the process with the follow-up? So after the initial contact, you don't, immediately follow up it may be you know is it a month later is it a week later is it a first letter is it a second phone call is it pop up at the house is it a coffee coupon what is the actual process of how the initial from the initial contact to the follow-up to the completion are, are you talking about the initial contact if with the household you, overall or I'm somebody a, just calls? No, I'm talking about in, when you initially reach out to contact these households and I'm not available, what's next? Do you call me, you send me a letter, I don't respond, what's next? Um, so that was a while ago, but let me um, tell you what can, I remember. And so, you, can forward, you can get back to Okay, me, maybe, yeah. Our goal too. was to okay. try and, um, we worked with John Stewart Company with it for as much contact information as we had. We tried to have public information so people could see that we were on the island. We sent out letters to the residents, you know, to their homes. Um, this was early on. And we're there to ask them to come sit with us one-on-one -on -one so we could get to know each other and exchange contact information and present information. Um, and then from that, we generated the initial preliminary notice of eligibility saying, I think this is who's in your household based on the lease. This is what you told us. These, you know, this is the number of bedrooms you have now. You know, this is the number of bedrooms we understand you would have in a transition unit. Um, it's going to be a long time. You know, it'll be a while before we have anything. But we also want to tell you you have an opportunity for affordable housing and below market rate housing. So that letter was there, and then since then it was just 
responses as needed when people are saying, I have a question. So do you reiterate the letter? Do you send it out multiple times? You may have sent it out that first time, but do you send out a reminder letter? Hey, I don't know, you might have lost it. Hey, we just want to remind you yeah. of the letter that we sent you previously. Because what I'm hearing, and I live on the island, so I know how hard outreach can be, and I know how hard it can to get be to get everyone on the same page. I just um, I want to I want to be familiar with your process and that it meets the needs of the people sure. on the island because here today it sounds like people's needs aren't being met because they're not getting the information in a correct or timely manner or in a manner that they feel is you know practical for them. So we want our residents to feel secure and confident going forward in this development. And we've spent millions of dollars yeah. right. on so, this contract. Okay. Thank you, um, Ms. Preston. Um, Ms. Richardson? Yeah, thank you, Karen. Um, the baseline, you know, per the presentation, we have 157 household, right? Correct. A legacy household? Correct. So that's the baseline. 157. Before, in 2011, I guess the number was the 202 or wherever. Okay. So, um, yes. So we just, it's a small universe. And, you know, and I, every now and then I like to make comparison because the San Francisco Housing Authority have, since we started, thousands and thousands of units um, relocation. So we do have a precedent in San Francisco to look into. So here we are today, we have 157. The dilemma is that from a standpoint, from 2011, we have committed all kinds of resources and millions of dollars to this process. And then to come in in an opening meeting at City Hall today and the residents are coming, you see their frustration and some of the frustrations here. I think we are, we are down right now to concrete numbers. When people ask you a question, I think uh, Commissioner Faye, in the outreach, because some of this, to the numbers, again, the universe is 157, small, and we, it would have been great today for you to have the numbers and say, you know, for our own assurance, and this is so that the public can also, some of the residents here, and those that are going to listen, and the Board of Supervisors, to know that um, when we send the outreach, how many number responded? We should be able to say, yeah, let's look at this timeline here. Uh, almost a year ago when we were talking, because I can see the projection of where this is gonna be. We may as well end up in court too, okay? And we have to show the numbers. And then I suggested having some numbers that we can track. It would have been great today when that question was asked and to say, how many households? So that the people here that are here today can say, yeah. So then we can say, okay, if the numbers are here, you're coming, and you don't have the number, where are you in this? We don't have the numbers, okay? We don't have the number of how many people, households have responded. We, that, um, it, it's not, um, we, we need to have these numbers, concrete numbers, mm -hmm. in terms of the, the virtual of the outreach, and again, some of them are saying that they cannot log on. We, do you have the numbers of even how many households uh, response to the virtual that you can say out of this household? Again, 
the universe is 157 households. So a small numbers. And we can go back into the numbers. So for what we are going to do for the next, I asked the question earlier, the Sturview Court has 23 transition units between now 2024 and 2026, a very a small number. I, is that because your performance is actually based on those? So are those 23 numbers are your core services that you're going to be providing between 24 and 2026 based on this map of this chart. And because why, if you look at the table of all the parcels and housing, you know, listed, that were the only there that's, yeah, that we have. So I'm again trying to understand um, how in the next, where we are going with this, a lot of questions, there are people here that are also asking our questions about this, believe me. We hear that every day, and the supervisor does his hearing that too. And so, so that while we are talking to them, we can also be justifying where we are. Again, I need to have the numbers so I can be waving it to the supervisor and to the people, to the residents that are asking the question. This is where we are you know, right now. So that timeline, I suggested earlier, we're gonna have to have the timeline. I know that in your contract, you have expanded your services and you brought in uh, some firms, the white cat, who I know very well. Um, they are minority uh, contracting and, um, and they, they do a great job in some of the stuff that they do in town. They are well known. And you brought Ethnica uh, to build. Precisely what are you going to be having um, them to do to what can you just outline what you're going to be working on in terms of the outreach, just for us to understand here because we have this contract here, it's not a small contract, and we're trying to approve that in lieu of all these residents and now, you know, for us to be able to even justify that. Do we measure now a year or do we, that's what people are just trying to ask. So. Can you just outline and all this data that we need from you to be able to, when are you going to be able to provide that? How many responses and, um, you know, for this commission here before everything is ratified, when can you provide the information to us? I'm happy to provide that. Let me try and get that to you before the end of next week, if not sooner, that would kind of outline for you, um, it's been five years, so what has, the outreach was, what the responses were related to that. Um, I think just some of the, like you guys are saying, I think the hard and, numbers and, are and the helpful. Responsive will have yeah. the names of the, and all the, your outreach and the responses of all the household will be included as well also because that outline, so when people show up, we will know where they are in that list, right? I'm making, yeah. you know, yes. You just said next week, so yeah, that that's going to be that's going to be. Okay. And we've also asked a director, Mr. Bobbeck, to provide a timeline again, so that we can have the total universe. That should have even preceded us, even before getting to this point. So thank you, Karen. Yeah. 
Okay, um, uh, let's see, uh, Ms. Mr. Dunlop, yes. And um, just coming here, um, I guess you don't really have a choice because we have to vote on your contract. But you know, I really liked what Commissioner um, Richardson said about the you know the number 157, and you know it's a very it's a solid finite number, and you know and you know you have said that you've gotten close to 100% contact. Yet, you know, people here don't seem to agree with that 100, close to 100%. And so it would be good to have some solid numbers, solid contacts. So we have something to tell, uh, you know, our people. You know, it's like uh, I live on the island too, and I would, you know, uh, if somebody asks me right now, I, I would be able to say, well, I'm not really quite sure what you do. So, um, and I have, I was outreached once, and it's just my personal thing, and it just didn't go anywhere. And so that was kind of, um, you know, I'm sure that's not typical, but that does, is what happens sometimes. So, um, you know, it's, can somebody, I, I think the answer is no. But if somebody doesn't want to live in a mixed-income unit or in a, a you know building that has that, can they apply in advance for one of the uh, future units? Uh, I think that's probably a no. But well, each market rate uh, property will have a pre-marketing window, and so there's a pre-marketing list that is maintained, and so if people are not interested in a transition unit, but are interested in a market rate unit within, uh, you know, the title house or the portico or, or a market rate condominium, they they can uh, um, they can be get on that pre-marketing list. And the the one thing I would say, I say to everybody who says I don't know what's happening, is contact your TI advisor because that's what they're here for is to answer people's questions and and you know we have flyers at our office um when uh, uh supervisor haney was here we had cards in his office so that if people came in to speak to the supervisor staff and and had questions about the transitional housing program we had cards with the ti advisor contact and email um so they're they're here to answer questions and when they aren't able to provide answers um, or it gets into an area that they're not familiar with then they they can bring those questions to Tida as well um, so the the, the 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 first thing is is to um, uh, you know really always encourage people to, to reach out to their TI advisor if they're looking for more information Okay. Um, yeah. But so. yeah, the pre-marketing uh, list would be the way to, you know, and, and we have these, these buildings that are under construction. Um, as they get further, we'll, we'll, we, we, we know generally the unit mix from like studios to three bedrooms, for instance, within individual buildings. And so we can provide certain general information now. Um, and uh, as, as we'll work with those uh, private developers to 
secure typical floor plans and those types of information so that as the work progresses, we'll, we'll have more and more information to share. So what I'm hearing is that if somebody's offered something in like Starview, but they're not very happy with that particular development, they can then jump ahead and say, I want to go to um, whatever, and I, I want one of the units there. They can do that? That's one of the, one of the things we'll have to evaluate is, is, and this is where it's good to engage the households as early as possible, is to understand what their, their preferences are, you know, what it is that they're, they're hoping to achieve through the transitional housing process. A market rate unit, a transition unit, an affordable unit. Um, what is their objective, and then and then what would what are some of the, the potential opportunities and the timing of, of those different choices? That's great news. Um, uh, and I we even voted for the program, and I didn't know you could do that. So um, well, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you can say, okay, I'm going to decline my transition unit and move into that building over there five years from now. Uh, <laughs> that that's not necessarily an option, but. Uh, it's good to engage your your the, in a dialogue with the TI advisors to understand the timing of things, and uh, you know what 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 your choices will be. You know, one of the the things with the the um, the additional market rate buildings uh, that are coming up, and the reason we emphasize those and included them on that table uh, that Director Richardson held up is. Um, not only for the vested, I mean for the legacy households, but particularly for the vested households. Vested households, their you know, are their one opportunity to have uh, continue to reside on the island over the long term is if they're able to qualify for an affordable unit and take advantage of those opportunities. And so, um, where some legacy residents, you know, you know, can perhaps rest comfortably knowing that they will at some point be offered a transition unit. Vested residents and vested households really, we want to encourage them to, if they can, qualify and take advantage of those affordable opportunities because you know the, the ultimate end game of this is that we do need to vacate the existing housing and we do need to demolish it. Um, and for some vested households, they have no future housing option on the island, and even, and if they don't, then you know, again, it would be good to engage TI advisors and say, okay, I don't income qualify, you know, and this is where I live. What are, you know, how long do I have to find housing off of the island, <laughs> um, and and explore those types of choices as well. So, but we really want to engage. Uh, people and, and, and encourage them to uh, uh, take advantage of, of these affordable opportunities, whether they're in Starville U Court or in the, uh, in the inclusionary units. Okay. Um, I, I appreciate that. So I guess the take home is people really need to talk to their TI advisor if they know who it is. I, just another just a point, when um, you're talking about households versus people, you know, maybe those you can always present both numbers because you know it is about people that you know they are, you know I think people would appreciate that that their numbers are not just one but it might be four 
for people. Yeah. Thank no, you. I appreciate Thank you. that. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Dunlop. Um, let's see, Mr. Beck, you've already spoken. Was there something else? Because uh, I'd like to have Ms. Howard also. Yeah, I had a few things to add, but Director Howard could go first. Hi. Um, yeah, thanks for, for the presentation. And um, yeah, I appreciate that we've all just been through a global pandemic <laughs> and communications is not always the, the easiest thing and we're trying to get our feet back under us. I just have a couple of clarifying questions. I, um, I'm kind of hearing, I heard from Bob and, and the question too that Linda asked about um, these 23 units and just getting back to, I'm just wondering if first, if everyone knows what they are um, on the island, do they know if they're legacy or vested, or, and then, and then interested in um, how have you prioritized the transition, the transition um, based on legacy or vested, or is it a combination? Because what I think I'm hearing is that these transition units that are available might be driving where the priority outreach has gone, and maybe that is not satisfying. I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of reading between the lines here. Like maybe the the focus has been on a certain um, category of resident as, instead of all residents. And so I'm just curious if there has been a prioritization process and were you guided by, by, um, by staff or someone to what were the priority, you know, that, I guess that's my question is, was there a prioritization of, of outreach and um, like maybe thinking about moving forward? I don't know, reprioritizing, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's the yeah. question. That's a good question. So um, when we were hired, one of our specific goals was to reach the legacy households, right? So there was a finite number um, we did massive outreach to reach them. And that lasted for several years until the very end of 2019. And then our work uh, pivoted to include uh, vested households. And so um, that is more recent, but we tried to duplicate our outreach efforts immediately so that the vested households were getting the same outreach as the legacy households had been. Um, as was applicable to them. Um, we did really strong outreach to both groups um, for affordable housing and um, below market rate housing and the Treasure Island resident preference numbers and contact your TI advisor. And um, so all, and, and your portals launched, you know, maybe you've missed something. So those are the kind of things that we've, um, since 2019 goes out to both groups. Um, and so that was our priority. And so moving forward, while it's really important for us to engage one-on-one -on -one with the households that might be transitioning, because we need to understand and help them understand like what their household is and if we have a unit that fits and if they fit and all that. So that's really important for us to do some one-on-one. -on -one. But in the meantime, we're also going to be focusing on the others that want to still learn about affordable housing, because one of the things we talked about is there are some affordable housing units coming up both at Starview Court and um, in some of the inclusionary units. And there's some for sale condos coming up. And we want people to become homeowners. We're really excited that we have three households that became homeowners. And we want to continue that. So that, that outreach, because if you tell me you want to become a homeowner, I will 
absolutely make sure you get the information. But because I may not know that the rest of you want to become homeowners, we're equally uh, hitting everybody and saying, we really want you to know about this. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that, and, and I got that from, from this report, too, that, that there has been a, you know, a kind of, that seems to be a, the priority. And so I guess what I'm encouraging is moving forward is to, you know, if, if the legacy outreach kind of ended in 2019, maybe revisit that. And obviously there's some confusion. And as we all know, when we give a talk, you say the thing three times, you know, in different ways so that your point comes across. So I guess I just am encouraging you, like, maybe re, you know, now that we're out of the pandemic, we're able to maybe the, the folk, like, figuring out the priorities and maybe doing some reinvestment in legacy and, um, and continuing these other parallel lines too. But, but I think that's what I'm hearing from um, the people who came to speak today too, is there's some confusion around that. So maybe, you know, reiterate those, um, uh, the, the benefits available to the legacy, yeah. Okay, and Mr. Beck, did you have any comments? Um, just, just wanted to add a, a few things. Um, when it, 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 the initial effort to reach all of, it, it was very much focused, as Director Howard was saying initially, on the, the legacy households, um, in 2017, uh, when when ARWS came on board, and that outreach effort in 2018, 2019, the the objective there, uh, as reinforced by by the board on multiple occasions, was to reach 100% of those legacy households, and um, that is the period of time where we initially opened the resource center as as an office. It was within one of the residential units within the within the community. And it was an office people could schedule appointments or drop in and, and speak with a, an advisor. Um, and that was successful at reaching a, a, a substantial portion of the residents. But there was some 25 to 30% who we then, uh, ARWS then needed to uh, uh, really go to them um, and so there was uh, to, to get to a hundred percent there was a lot of door knocking um, you know coming out on a Saturday and going through the neighborhood trying to find people at home uh, leaving flyers leaving cards um, and ultimately they did reach a hundred percent now some handful of that, I, 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 my recollection is it was roughly five. There, the, the contact that they received is, I've received all of your notices, I just don't want to talk to you at this time. <laughs> and, uh, but they did make affirmative contact with 100% of the legacy households. Um, and, and then that what uh, Karen described, a preliminary notice of eligibility um, was sent to each of those households based on what they understood from their interactions. Um, based on what you've told us, it looks like you might potentially be eligible for affordable housing. These are the number of people that are in your household. Um, we understand that you are a pre-DDA or a mixed household. Um, and, and so th that was all capsulated in the, the original preliminary notice of eligibility. Um, and then in the end of 2019, um, the, uh, um, was the, the, uh, 
modification of the tree HRNRs to provide a, a, ref, a preference for affordable housing units to the vested residents. And um, uh, that was the next kind of wave of outreach. That was not uh, an effort to reach 100%, you know, affirmative contact, but it was, they, they did a combination of flyers and outreach uh, uh, to the, the vested households and vested residents to let them know of, of that opportunity as well. Um, of course, shortly after December 2019, we went into COVID, so we didn't really have like open houses. Um, one of the things that was done in 2018-2019 were uh, drop-in open houses where uh, we would have stations and poster boards set up and uh, people could come in uh, we, we always did them on a weekday evening, uh, followed by uh, a window on a Saturday um, so that people could come in and uh, they didn't need to be there for a PowerPoint presentation. It wasn't that type of a town hall. They, they just come in uh, and, and they can pick up flyers, they can speak to advisors, get information, make appointments. Um, that was kind of more of, of the, the effort then. And, uh, as we move forward into this next phase um, and of the activity with both the uh, 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 market rate opportunities that are coming up, but also uh, the um, uh, more information on the Starview Court, we will be gearing up for more open houses, drop-in sessions where people can come in and get information on the buildings, see floor plans, et cetera. Um, and we, I mentioned we during my uh, my director's report that we want to schedule some uh, tour opportunities of Maceo May building so that people can see what the new construction looks like, um, and uh, also uh, potentially some the, the Starview Court will be a, a Mercy housing property, so also potentially some uh, existing Mercy housing properties that aren't on the island that people could visit. Uh, to, to get a sense of that. So, um, and then in terms of the Starview Court and, and those 23 units, um, yes, we do want to start, even though the transition unit offers is something that would start in the, the summer, um, you know, we, we do know uh, what the mix of units are. We know from, we understand what people's eligibility is. Um, and so we can start doing targeted outreach to those that are most likely to be offered those units to, to start the, I, the process of providing information. So all of that is, is part of the work plan that we plan to implement over the next you know, 60 to 90 days. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, and it would be great actually to have you on the agenda for next month as well, so that you can come back and report to us the data that we would like to hear about um, you have all of that data, I'm sure. So, um, okay. So I'm going to open this up to the public um, to ha hear their comments, and then uh, and also on the phone before we make an action. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like we're old friends already. <laughs> Go ahead. I want to share experience working for the boards of some of the most complex companies on this planet. Uh, companies, the computer that you're using, the car that you drove, what you had for breakfast, what you had for snack, the healthcare system that you use, 
on their most complex transformation. There's a big difference between communication, engagement, understanding the people you're working with, and helping them navigate that change. I understand the THRRs. I understand the law. I understand the case law. I've met. I've been at most meetings over the last decade. I personally don't know what's happening. And that uncertainty has consequence. You are doing this because you're required by law to do the community engagement. But you should want to do this so that you have a successful development. After a decade of asking questions, I'm not interested in having conversation anymore. I want to speak in a language that Lennar understands, and Stockbridge <coughs> understands, and Wilson understands, because I'm tired. So I hope that this next year goes well for all of us. Thank you. Carol Harvey again, thanks for letting me speak. Um, I want to underscore what was said here about talking about individuals. I think Mark Dunlop talked about that. Talk about individuals and differentiate them from households um, in, in, the, in the statistics, in the numbers, because these are individual people. And generally, you talk about households. Bob talks about households. It would be good to have that broken down, talk about individual people. Uh, let's see, the other, other thing I wanted to underscore, I'm going to have to think about because I think I've forgotten it. <laughs> so thank you. I'll be back later. Well, thank you. Afternoon. My name is Paulette Gaines. I am a resident on Treasure Island. To the panel, hello. Um, answer to your question, um, I don't know, Ms. Howard. Um, I want to say that everything has been segregated, not on racial segregation, but economic segregation. Um, as far as sh could you afford uh, the unit? If you stayed on, we're just going to say D Avenue. Or if you can afford uh, a unit on YBI. It took me two years to get on Treasure Island, and I moved there in 2001. I had to go through hoops to get on Treasure Island. But anyway, in the interim, they did let me know that by 2020, they would be redeveloping. They did let me know that. And I was under the Navy, okay, because all that was leaflets of the Navy. So um, I respect that. But things happen in life. Things happen. Things transition, people, jobs, income changes, what have you. But in reference to this woman right here was speaking about in reference to um, getting the leaflets out 
as far as information and uh, mm, far as purchasing a home or whatnot or whatnot, everybody didn't get that. We did have we did have meetings. It was started about 2012, in reference to 2017, and we had to meet on Expedition Avenue. And if you didn't show up, you didn't get that information. And um, and that was one. And then two, you better show up, or she wasn't going to have a residence. So, and if you're on housing, if you're on the form of housing, um, you didn't qualify for certain units. If you know, and then when you ask, could you use your voucher of housing status? No one had that answer. You know, Thank if you, you okay, two minutes up. Thank That's you. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioners, um, Christoph again, uh, thank you for the presentation. Um, outreach, yes, there has been some. Uh, I'm not quite sure if it has been significant enough to make a big difference, certainly not over the last two years. I greatly appreciate uh, all of you guys' very critical, should I say, also at times skeptical questions uh, to which you have not received the answers that you were looking for makes you wonder mm -hmm. and this is a contract that the city is paying for that we are paying for um, where are those answers again director Beck I do appreciate what you have been doing I am we are pro-development for the island we are not standing and saying hey don't develop the islands we have been waiting for this most of us here for over 20 years um, the reason why there's only so few of us here today is because most of the others are confused. They do not know what is going on. The outreach is not working the way it's supposed to work. And we greatly appreciate the one-on-one meetings that you now are reinitiating with us. I need to come back to one question that may have gotten diluted earlier, which is we have been paying market rate for the most part, most residents. Again, we're talking 154 whatever uh, units, that is three to 400, maybe 500 souls, as it was mentioned. Um, why can we not then move into other market rate buildings or units? Uh, or does it mean, yeah, you can move into those, but they're not gonna cost you $6,000 a pop? That question is still not answered. It was answered earlier by some of the commissioners and is still not being answered, is still not being clear. Why is it that transition households, legacy transition households, are being offered only units in low-income developments? And again, this does not mean I applaud all the efforts that we're making for low-income, uh, but what about mid-income people? I have paid $800,000 of rent since I moved to the island. Should account for something. Thank you. What we'll do is to finish the public comment to let others also um, comment, and then at the end um, we we can we can have some discussion. So a couple of quick points, Jeff Klein again. Um, in 2011, there were probably over 450. Every every market rate unit was legacy, and there were probably over 450 at that time. Um, 
as far as individuals versus households. Two individuals in my household are legacy, one is vested, and one is post-vested. So these rules are going to break up my household into three pieces. But now to, to some of the finer points, um, money. You got your money wrong. This is, a, this is the, uh, from housing, housing and Urban Development, I've already made the point that federal law applies. And you know the Primacy Clause of the Constitution, state law must conform. They can offer more benefits, but they can't offer less. So you got your money amounts wrong, and I don't know if Karen can answer this or anybody can answer this. When they gave out um, money before, they did it now as a 1099, which is taxable. That's wrong. It's not taxable. You can look it up. Um, it's not taxable under state or federal relocation law. So if you're giving out $700,000 in legacy payments or you know, uh, early move-out payments, people are pay being forced to pay $200,000 roughly, in taxes they shouldn't be paying. The actual amounts they're paying, that's wrong too. The federal law changed in 2014. They should be, uh, it's not 5250 uh, individual payment, it's 7200. It's not 22,500 22, for a whole household, it's 31,000. And businesses are also considered displaced persons if they're displaced, if they were here before acquisition, which, uh, Jim, uh, T.I. Wines, Jim's business was here well before acquisition. And, and those businesses would also be entitled to $31,000. Um, so you, you're getting so many of these details wrong. And, 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 this, and, you, and you spend, you know, now you're up to spending $4.5 million to a, to a consultant. And I, I like Karen. I think she's a very smart lady. But I, I don't know what Tida's doing when they're not, 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 following, not following the law here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Carol, we, we, yes, could you, it's late. I want to allow us to continue. Um, so I will go ahead, but I'm. You had the first, Karen Illman had to end I had the first set of meetings in the Oasis, which is no longer there. Where will these meetings be held to speak individually to families from now on? Is it going to be the Ship Shape Building? Where is it going to be? Okay. And the other thing, really fast, is people are really confused. Uh, Ms. Edelman, who I think is very smart and very beautiful and very well-organized, the outreach needs to be more effective. I talk to people all the time. People are really confused, and they're really dis disturbed. Okay, thank you very much. Thank so you. I, I would really like to thank know you. Wh where these meetings will be held. Yeah. Bob, um, let, before you answer, Bob, let's get um, comments from the film, if there are any. Thank you again, Hope Williamsburg. I want to first elevate the point that we are talking about lives. We're talking about people, not numbers, so that's one. And then secondly, I want to elevate the, the comment that was made that we need to stop this process, that all this money that we are spending does not align with the efforts that supervisors are making to try to keep people of color in, the, in, in San Francisco. We are displacing people. We're putting people out. 
the numbers don't align, the information, the, um, we have workshops, workshops, after workshops, conversations, but you're not aligning it. It's been so many hiccups. Please do not renew this. Let's align ourselves with a different process. Let's align with the Mayor's Office of Housing, educate our uh, youth 18 to 26 with opportunities to be able to transition, give them the opportunity, stop chronic homelessness, stop this process, allow these souls, our seniors, our children, our, our families to be able to be placed properly. We're not aligned with a lot of efforts to stop homelessness in this city. We are doing the very opposite the very opposite of these efforts. We have dream keepers. We have all these opportunities out here. Um, opportunities for our Native American. We have all these opportunities for this population. Majority of the, the residents are low income, seniors, and people of color. And you are putting them out. Do not renew this contract and let's go a different direction that will actually make this development successful with community voice. Thank you. Then that's all. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we'll finally come to the um, to to a point where we can actually make a motion. We we need the Chandra to come back. But in the meantime, Bob, were there any comments um, or answers that you had for some of the questions which came up? they'll be held at the ship shape that's where we held our prior right. sessions right. Um, I, I'm sorry I, I did not hear a specific question from yeah. Mr. Opperman he, he said he asked right. a direct question well I, I think I did not um, certainly the question and I don't know if we can answer it today but one that has been asked and and I'm interested in that answer um, as well is that um, for a transitional unit for a household that is, um, has the rights to a transitional unit, if they decide that they don't want a unit in this next development which is coming up, which is Starview Court, and I believe there's 23 units there, um, ha can they apply their rights to other developments, including some of the market rate housing that is being built? I think that was one of the questions that was asked. And yeah. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Bob, because I think you have to, you know, certainly be careful in how you say it because we don't want to give wrong impressions. But if you can answer that today, otherwise we're going to have to ask that um, when you're able to bring that answer back to us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, uh take that question back. Okay, so he, he Bob will um, bring back that answer. But let me just say, you know, it is so difficult to do housing development in the city. Uh, you know, you've heard you know, all of the stories of, of how difficult it is to build permanent housing. We have such a opportunity at Treasure Island to build a new community, and we are starting that process. Um, we can't, con uh, we, the market rate development is, is being done through a, you, you, TICD, um, but the affordable housing developments are ones that we have, um, we have oversight 
for, and those are the affordable housing projects. Um, and, and I would say that those projects are being designed, first of all, being developed by nonprofit housing developers who have been in the business for a long time, who have excellent reputations, and who have hired the best architects. You know, I can say that Starview Court, you know, Masail Mayor, they're hiring the best of the best architects. Methune is doing Masail May. Um, Starview Court is, uh, uh, um, I'm forgetting the architect, but they are well-known, well-respected architects. And this housing is going to be beautiful housing. It's beautiful in, in the fact physically, but it's also, you know, what we intend, which is that there is affordability for those who really need it, but there's also uh, ability for market rate units, market, you know, middle income and others to live there so that it's a mixed income community. Um, I, would, I would urge those people who have the ability to and who have the rights to um, and who have the, I, I don't know if it's, it's the lottery that we have where they've been given a lottery number. If you have the chance to, to um, take those units or take the affordable units. This is great housing that is being built on Treasure Island. Um, uh, as to whether you can take that transition, if you decide, well, no, that is not for us. You know, we don't want to be in that development. Um, as to whether you can take that to a market rate housing that is being developed by TICD, not by um, TIDA, but by TICD. Um, they're doing the market rate housing. Um, they, I know that there's inclusionary affordable housing in those units, um, but the question of whether you can transfer those rights, I think that's something that we have to really be careful in how we answer that so that we can give the right answer, right? We don't want to give misinformation. You know, these rules um, and regulations were designed and uh, adopted um, back in 2011 and then extended in 2019. So we want to follow those rules and we want to make sure that, you know, that everybody has, you know, uh, uh, the chance um, to, and, and that it's equitable. And that's why we had to go through a lottery system and that's how those numbers were developed. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, Bob, um, because, the, uh, for us to bring this back as far as um, questions about it and to have um, Ms. Edelman come back with the data that we would like to see. But what's before us right now is, a, is um, an action item and the resolution that is before us, which is the staff recommendation, is to approve and authorize the execution of a professional services agreement with... with um, with the associate right of way services, um, and that's what's before us now. So I will take um, a motion and a second and discussion if we need it, um, and we will take a vote on this matter. I move this item, and I'd just like to say I think the conversation has really helped move forward the, the process. So next month, we'll get some data and we'll be able to say, hey, this is what's going on. And you know, I think in the future, we do need to keep a closer eye on this. But, so I moved it. Okay, 
And do I have a second? Can I speak? Okay. Go ahead, Ms. Richardson. You know, one of the differences in your previous contract compared to here is like I'm looking at your team. And I saw here the, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, White Cat, which is an outstanding organization, a con you know, community-based organization. I know what they do. They are really grassroots, get the job done. And so that conveyed to me that maybe for this contract, you're looking at different strategies in bringing because in order for us to justify what we are doing here, and this is being televised, is we do have to justify what we are doing here and be able to, so I look at that and for me, because I, with all the questions we have, it's probably to delay this and have you come back. But then again, like I said, you bring out, um, I saw the white cat, you also have the inter-ethnic in here. So that convey something different. And I want you to understand that the legacy, what we, our, our, our obligations here in, in Thailand, we take that very seriously. That's why we ask all those critical questions. And that's why we've been helping whoever got the contract to make sure that they follow protocols. And we don't know where we're gonna end here. But we need, wherever we end, need to be able to justify everything here because we do care about the residents of Treasure Island. We are all community people here. And so we're getting all these, we want to make sure we're not getting all these calls that we are getting and for you to be able to show uh, the concrete data. Not, not tomorrow, it needs to be, because again, the baseline is 157 households. You, you know, that should be impromptu. So I'm going to lean on that to, to that with, again, with all those cautions, you know, because, you know, so I respect Commissioner Dunlop. I always respect you and um, second that motion for him. But again, all this data will need to be brought back and we need to assess what is going on to continue with uh, this contract and that's the I, stipulation okay. that I will put in. Okay, um, and I, I would note that it is a five-year contract, but there's termination rights, so we have the ability to terminate the contract if we are not satisfied with the performance. But it seems to me that it is critical that we have communications and that we have that service of, of um, certainly communicating with the residents on and advising the residents on um, their housing rights. Yeah, okay. DeShondra, yes, Ms. Preston, you want to? Um, what I wanna, I'm sorry. What I wanna say is that um, you're most familiar with the island, that this contract has been in place. We've already put all this work into it, and I'm in agreement with Director Howard and Director Dunlop that we can reprioritize in parallel you know, these these efforts. I think it's a really good idea to have the hub in place as well as the one-on-ones. So I look forward to seeing this work out. Okay, all right. Are we ready to take the vote then? Yes, so it'll be um, all those in favor of the aye. resolution say aye. 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 All those um, against? So the ayes have it. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. Item number nine, discussion of future agenda items by directors. Yes. So um, on, on the future agenda items, um, again, you know, one of my big concerns has been the um, structural, organizational structure for the management, for the maintenance mm. of the parks. Um, and we have started some conversations um, we, with staff. We've started conversations with Parks and Rec. Um, and I want to make sure that we have a report on this every single month um, as to progress that we've made. Um, so um, I just bring that up again, since it was not on the agenda um, today, I would like to see it again on the agenda every month. Thank you. Yes, Commissioner, I would like to, um, following the discussion, to have the SFPUC as stakeholders so we can really have um, presentation on the outages and where we are in the construction and uh, where we are going. So it's kind of fresh, new information, new directives, and how we can mitigate things needs to be um, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the agenda. And I also want to echo with the parks maintenance. Uh, even before we bring it back, it would be great to have a draft of the timeline where we're going because for 2023, we are going to be conveying to the public what the organization structure is going to be. I will even think before July. So we can begin then to put the pieces together, you know, what we're going to do for that. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, echo that as well. Okay. Anything else? Um, yeah. So. Um, oh, did you want to say something, Ms. Preston? <laughs> um, as far as the draft, were we going to get a copy of that? The draft of what? Of the maintenance. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Any information we, we yeah. get. Okay. I, draft for us to look I also, with everything coming, I, lit, uh, I don't want to forget about the daycare situation. As we're moving in all these new residents, I can imagine that that's, that's going to be one of the most needed services on the island. Where are we at as far as hiring people and increasing the, um, yeah. I, the I number? Think, yeah, I think that's a question also to One Treasure Island as well their services. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to adjourn. It, this was a long meeting, but it was a great one to be together yeah, first time. again. And welcome to Jeanette. And unfortunately, um, Nabiha had to leave, um, but um, it's, it's really great to see all of you together. Great to meet you, <laughs> Jeanette. Thank you for your contributions. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah.